1: Happy New Year, Auburn. Welcome into another year of Sports Call, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. My name is Ryan LeBoy, and I'm excited to be with you for this first show of 2023. I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry with me today. But before we move into the show today, I want to once again thank J.J. Jackson for his time as the host of this great show. Before JJ got here, we didn't post a podcast consistently, didn't have as many fun segments as we do now, and had never won an Abbey Award. Now we post a podcast every single day so that you can catch up on anything you may have missed. We do fun segments like Town Name Tuesday, which we will get back to doing at some point in 2023, and Wacky Wednesday, which we will bring back this spring. And oh yeah, after 25 years of this show being on air, we won our first ever Abbey Award in 2020 and then won another last year in 2021. These are some of the more concrete ways in which J.J. impacted this show, but behind the scenes, J.J. was constantly working on ways to improve the show and make Tiger Communications as a whole a more productive place. And I, again, want to express my deepest gratitude to J.J., my brother, who meant so much to this show and means so much to me as a friend. His impact will continue to be felt on this show for years to come. We love you, J.J., And we wish you great success in what you have going on next. With that, again, my name is Ryan Lavoie. And for the first time, I call myself the host of this program. You all know me well. I've been part of this show since 2018, and I'm honored to get to lead it now. We will continue to have a show that wants to hear from you, the listener. Our callers are an integral part of this show. After all, the show is called Sports Call. We understand that at times you won't have as much to talk about, and that's okay. We will continue to bring on an int- uh, bring on interesting guests and create new segments to keep things entertaining. And we'll continue to talk all things Auburn, including college football and basketball. And when relevant in the sports world, we'll talk Major League Baseball, the National Football League, the National Basketball Association, NASCAR, anything going on in the world of sports, we will cover it. In the process, we'll praise and criticize. We'll have some laughs. We'll have some disagreements. But through it all, we will respect everyone's opinions. And we will have a fun time because that's what sports are supposed to be fun. I'm blessed to have a great sports call crew around me who work hard and all bring something different to the table. And I'm excited to work with everyone on continuing to make this show great. And with that, we are off and running in 2023. Again, my name is Ryan Lavoie, and I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Dontre with me on this first sports call of 2023. Tom, happy new year I hope your new year is off to a good start
2: Yeah, man New year's off to a good start And welcome to the big boy chair <laughs> Thank uh, you So, uh, yeah, I mean We're going to miss J.J. and everything that he did and uh, But the show goes on The the show goes on And uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling Uh Keep that momentum going that he had, and uh, and keep making this a great show. So, uh, congratulations on your new gig as the host, and uh, I'm ready ready to get going with it. But New Year's been great, and uh, some great football, some great football going on right now. Uh, as we've got some games going on, huge win by Mississippi State today, which I think everybody in the country loved that. Uh, following the death of Mike Leach, uh, I, I don't think there was anybody. Uh, outside of Illinois fans that were not cheering for Mississippi State. So good job for them. Uh, some great games currently going on, but then, uh, you know, previous days, man, the college football semifinals, those, those were two incredible games. Uh, just absolute thrillers, for both of them. I'm hoping the championship game is going to live up to that with TCU against Georgia. Um, I, I don't know. I had thrown just predictions out there. I don't know that it will um, I don't know. I kind of have a sneaky suspicion Georgia might run away with that one. I, I th- but uh, the two games that were there were, were just absolutely epic games. So, in- incredible stuff there. And, uh,
1: yeah, man, I'm, just, I'm ready to get the new year kicked off, get this thing rolling. Yeah, there's a lot of football that we will talk about throughout this show, including games going on right now. But, yeah, that playoff yesterday – was incredible and we will get to that in just a little bit but also brant daughtry on the show with us today happy new year brant hope your new year is off to a good start as well
3: it absolutely is man uh glad to be here happy to to be a part of this i think tom hit the nail on the head it just two really incredible football games that we were treated to uh this past weekend and you know i i i was kind of beating the drum for tcu i think they they deserved to be there and i wanted to see them put on a good showing and they ended up making it to the championship game i don't know if they'll beat georgia i don't know if they'll keep it close with georgia but i think tcu has absolutely proven that they belong and uh you know beating michigan the way they did was really impressive to me and uh i you know the georgia ohio state game came down to the wire it was two incredible semifinal games uh, that we're going to talk a lot about on this show and looking forward to the national championship game and uh, this USC two lane game that we've got going on right now has been pretty entertaining today, and it uh, looks like USC just recovered a turn, uh, just recovered a fumble, uh, and, and they're going to try to extend their lead here. But yeah, I think uh, I think that college football is in a in a really fun spot right now, and I, I think that this uh, this show is going to be a lot of fun.
1: We've had a lot of bowl games since the last time <laughs> we were on the air. Uh, last time we were on air was Thursday. Of course, we took Friday off. And so we've had, uh, by my count, since the last show, we've had nine bowl games completed coming into today, and we've had a couple more completed today. Our 12th bowl game is going on right now, and then a 13th bowl game coming up a little bit in the Rose Bowl. And a lot of those bowl games, the vast majority of them, big-time bowl games, the ones that you wait for in and around New Year's Day, and, of course, the college football playoff a couple of days ago. And so we'll talk a lot about that on the show today, we'll have birthdays and sports, as we always do. We'll have uh, some of you find callers again on our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 The 5 o'clock hour, uh, Monday tradition has been best and worst of the weekend. That will continue. However, this year will be best and worst of the end of year, that wow. will be for the 2022. So year-wide, year-long, best and worst of the of the end of the year, uh, so to speak. And then also in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to do a little something today. And if you have uh, your thoughts, if you want to call in as well, or, or what you would like to see, is that uh, we're going to do, you know, it's very common for in the new year, New Year's resolutions, And so I want to do today some New Year's sports fan resolutions. So you, the sports fan, in 2023 what do you resolve to do as a sports fan do you want to go to more games do you want to yell at the referees just a little bit less be a little bit <laughs> kinder to the referees uh, do you want to watch a new sport that you haven't been watching much of you want to take a break from another team that you love maybe the team has just given you too much heartache you're gonna quit them in 2023 I want to hear from you and we'll talk about that in the five o'clock hour of some New Year sports fan resolutions well, let's go ahead and take our first break of the show today when we come back birthdays and sports and we'll also begin talking about the college football playoff and get to our auburn bank phone line a lot to do on the first show of 2023
0: on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a
2: four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio.
0: We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports call, Auburn.
1: Welcome back to the first show of the new year. This is Sports Call on this Monday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brent Doffrey with you here. Having a lot of fun, enjoying the waning moments of college football season. You got this Cotton Bowl right now. You got the Rose Bowl in an hour or so. And then you've got the National Championship game next Monday. And that's all she wrote for this 2022 college football season it's always tripped me out maybe it has you guys as well how you crown and I think this has been talked about on the show before but how you crown a champion for 2022 but in 2023 yeah. and I and I know that that's kind of standard practice if you look at other mediums if you look at the film industry for example the oscars or something in february you know you are having awards for the 2022 season for what the achievement in that year but still it's like do i call it the 2023 national championship game because it's actually in that year is it just the 2022 even though it's not that you know it's just it's always been a little hard for for me to keep up with uh what which year it is but Uh, just a couple more football games nevertheless in this season of college football so gotta enjoy them while they last we will go to our auburn bank phone line in just a minute or two but before we do that let's go to today's birthdays and sports it's time for today's birthdays and sports Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your... Banking needs. Birthdays in sports today on January the 2nd. A big one. Fernando Tatis Jr. turns 24. Shortstop for the San Diego Padres. Tatis was born in the Dominican Republic while his father was in the early phases of his MLB career. He was signed by the White Sox as an international free agent at 16 and was traded to the Padres a year later. That was a mistake. He made his MLB debut <laughs> in 2019 and was third in NL Rookie of the Year voting. He is a one-time All-Star, two-time All-MLB First Teamer, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, and an NL Home Run leader. White Sox traded a 17-year-old. It didn't look bad at the time. It does not look good now. Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the most exciting players in baseball in 24 today.
3: Absolutely. Uh, whenever he comes back from this... Performance-enhancing drug suspension. I, I think he's, he's one of the best players in baseball right now. Edgar
1: Martinez turned 60 today. Former MLB infielder, Martinez was born in Puerto Rico and was signed by the Seattle Mariners in 1982. He made his debut five years later. And spent his entire 17-year career year career in Seattle, was a seven-time All-Star, five-time Silver Slugger, two-time AL batting champ, and winner of the 2004 Roberto Clemente Award. His number 11 is retired by the Mariners, and he was inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in 2019. One of the best pure hitters the game has ever seen, Edgar Martinez, turned 60 today. I can't believe he's already 60 years old. Yeah, I read that, Good too, Lord. and I was like, even I remember a little bit of the older version of edgar martinez so turning 60 today Heather O'Reilly turns 38, midfielder for Irish Soccer Club Shelburne and the U.S. Women's National Team. O'Reilly was a standout high school player in New Jersey, winning a state championship as a junior, was named Gatorade National Player of the Year, as well as the top soccer recruit in the country. And as the top soccer recruit in the country, what do you do? You go to the University of North Carolina. Heels. She made 97 appearances for the Tar Heels, scored 59 goals, and assisted on 49. She was a national champion with the Tar Heels in 2003. And in 2006, as a professional, she won one World Cup in 2015 and retired from international play in 2016. Heather O'Reilly turns 38 today. And last but not least, uh, Leech, Excuse me, uh, Brian Boucher turns 47. Former NHL goalie Boucher was drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers in 1995, 22nd overall. 2002, he was traded to the Phoenix Coyotes and broke the modern record for longest shutout streak, not conceding a goal for over 330 minutes. By my math, that's a little over five uh, five games. He retired in 2013 and began a broadcasting career and currently works for ESPN as a hockey analyst. Brian Boucher turns 47 today, and those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Good list right there. A little bit of all different walks of life there um, with the uh, couple baseball players, but then soccer, then hockey. It's so a good stuff. Right there. All right. The numbers to call us on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341, locally, toll free, one 9 tiger 9 And let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time in 2023. First up, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff joins us. Jeff, how are you doing?
4: Good, guys. How are you all doing?
1: Doing well. I'm great.
4: Great, great. Happy New Year to everybody. Tom, Thank
1: you. Happy, happy New Year.
4: I guess Brooks is not there. And man, I I, really—I just wanted to call in, and I'm out here trying to hunt. I'm gonna say it sounds like you're on a shooting range. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe they're shooting at me. I don't know. (laughs) Take cover. (laughs) Maybe they're fireworks. I don't know. But hey, happy New Year's to all y'all, and Ryan. I really wanted to call in uh, and wish you the best. I know you'll do a great job. Everybody that's ever hosted this show has done great. So I just did want to call in and wish you a good game or a good time. Uh, uh, I know you'll make it. And, uh, Tom, it'll be you next and then Brant and everybody. (laughs) Well, I
1: I do appreciate that, Jeff.
4: Thank you, Brian. And, uh, hey, let me tell you, here's my Chris here's my wish. I wish I could watch a whole Georgia football game without having to turn it off and have heart palpitations and everything like that. My wife had to tell me Happy New Year and Georgia won. Oh. <laughs> I could not I could not take
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Simultaneous there with the uh with the yeah. kick. Yeah uh going way left as uh as the ball dropped in the east coast
4: yes and and my uh my uh my brother said hey you want to go to the game and i go i'd love to go to the game and then all of a sudden I, he g- gave the tickets away that was the only way i could have watched that game as if i was there oh. it mm-hmm. oh goodness <laughs> it was great and i say I, I think I saw an article somewhere, or maybe it was Philip Marshall or something like that. Uh, Steve will tell you if it is. Um, that, like you say, TCU, nobody expected them to be there, right? And uh, Georgia was just going to, you know, kill Ohio State. But here we are, you know. So uh, it's, it, uh, I think the line is what, 13, 13 yeah, and a half?
3: It's a two touchdown yeah. game, according to Vegas right now.
4: Yeah, and is that if Georgia doesn't give up four hundred and fifty yards passing? <laughs> I mean, they've got I mean, that's crazy. Who comes up with these lines? I don't know. We're gonna have to see. But um uh man, I just uh I did just wanna call in and let you all know. Hey, and there's one way to figure out if you're the 2022 champion, the 2023 champion, it's when you win them back to back.
1: Fair enough.
2: That, fair well, enough. Well, I, I just I wanted to say this about that Georgia game because we've talked about how I grew up a Georgia fan uh, until I came to Auburn. Yeah. Anytime Georgia does something good, and I and I it always makes me think about it. Like the end of that game, especially the long touchdown pass from Stetson Bennett, uh, right there to uh, in the fourth quarter. All I can think of is how Larry Munson would have made that call. That That's every single time Georgia does something epically good. I'm just thinking about how Larry Munson would sound with that call.
4: You're right. That, man, That I wouldn't know because I wouldn't have been listening. I wouldn't have been watching. I, <laughs> you know, hey, But the thing is, you talk about that. Um, Seth Bennett, how much NIL money would he have gotten in his – I mean, he's a, a walk on. Yeah. You know, and those were, uh, I mean, I'm a Georgia fan, I understand, but there's no way I could have thrown a pass like that. I played DYA football or, or you know, little Pee Wee football. There's no way I'm standing there and throwing that ball, you know. So that, uh, like I say, uh, Ohio State may have had the better quarterback. i Oh gosh! Every time he dropped back to pass, it was a, a completion. But Stetson Bennett, I just I, I don't know where'd you go from here. Yes, just retire. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so I have I have this comparison I was working on because Stetson. We've talked a lot about him on the show, Jeff. Obviously, we, we talked about him when he was in the uh, Heisman running and that sort of thing. Um, and, and the best way, best comparison I can come up with is the college version of what Eli Manning was. And what I say when I say that is Eli Manning would play a regular season – And it would leave something to be desired at times. There would be some good moments, some bad moments, where you kind of question really was he a great quarterback and you question kind of just his status and place in the NFL. But then he'd get in the postseason and you'd get the very best of him and you'd get clutch moment after clutch moment. And I feel like uh, ever since the end of last year, that's kind of been Stetson Bennett where he's had some underwhelming moments. He's had some times where maybe, um, you know, he didn't live up to the Caliber that, you know, a Heisman finalist would live up to. But then in these clutch moments when you've had to have him, he's he's delivered. And I think there's something to be said for because he still made mistakes. You know, he threw that pick in the first half and almost threw another one at halftime. But then he yeah. played a a brilliant second half, especially fourth quarter. And again, for the second straight time, he had to have a drive against Alabama last year in the championship. He delivered it, and he did it twice over here in the Ohio State game. And so it's much you know sets a minute for as much as people want to pick at him, and I certainly have picked at him a lot too. He's delivered in the clutch, and that says something about. Uh, his mentality and still his overall i mean ability because there's a lot of guys out, the, out there that cannot come back with two touchdowns in 7 or 8 minutes the way he did
4: you you're 100% correct and i'll tell you i uh if i were Seth Bennett uh i would not even try to do anything else that go to the broadcast booth and sit up there and you bold your 300 game you can't get any better. The only thing you can do is lose from here. You know what I'm saying? So just get in the booth and he seems intelligent. I had good interviews and stuff like that. So, uh, but let's win this championship or I'm speaking for Georgia. Let us win this championship and then we'll go from there. But Hey, Brian, I really do, uh, want to wish you uh success on this show and, uh, I will talk to you all later on this week,
1: okay? Sounds good, and I appreciate that, Jeff. Happy New Year.
4: Happy New Year.
1: That is Jeff from Columbus on our Auburn Bank phone line, the first caller of 2023.
3: Yeah, you know, I the Setson Bennett thing has always been weird to me because he's, he's very clearly not the reason Georgia is winning games, right? Like every, No one's ever really given him the credit for that. I think he's a much better quarterback than people let on. I think Stetson Bennett's a really good quarterback, even if he's not the 6'5", 225 guy with the rocket arm who can thro- put it on a dime. He's he's a gamer, you know. He's a really good quarterback, and I think that's all he'll ever be. He's just really good. I don't think he'll, I don't think he's going to be successful in the NFL if he does decide to give it a shot. I think why not at this point? But you know he's he's smart he I mean he's 25 years old that's the other thing he is a 25 years older yeah. college quarterback but man he's just he's just a lot better than I think people give him credit for
1: yeah and you know the thing with Stetson Bennett is let me pose this question then we'll take a break we'll and uh, we'll come back. But, you know, I just made that kind of Eli Manning comparison just because there was times in Eli's career where he'd throw like 14, 15 picks in a year. And you kind of questioned if it was about time for him to move on or the Giants to move on. And then he just had this ravishing postseason appearance where it was like, oh, yeah, this guy is incredibly clutch. This guy is really, really good. Um, When it matters And with Stetson Bennett This year There was a whole lull Where he only had Forget the stat I don't want to I don't want to get it wrong But he only had A couple touchdowns Over a a several game stretch uh, This year And it's not that he doesn't make mistakes still. He still makes mistakes. Reference the, the, the first half interception, the near pick at half, uh, in the first half against Ohio State. But what's different about the older version of Stetson Bennett, the last couple-year version of Stetson Bennett rather than the, the first year, was that is that he does not compound those mistakes anymore. And he adjusts from them, and he gets better after he makes uh, said mistake. And so my question is, and this is not for NFL's sake, I'm not trying to go project out players because I do not think Stetson Bennett would be a successful NFL quarterback, but in college, would you rather have Stetson Bennett or Will Levis? Because everyone says that Will Levis is just an awesome NFL arm, right? Kentucky's offense was not very good this year, and I know it looked even worse without him against Iowa this past weekend. But name the thing in college that Will Levis did that makes you feel confident that he's better than Stetson Bennett at this level. Again, in the pros, I'm not going to argue it. Levis has a big arm. He's going to work out better, I think, even if he doesn't work out. But in college, what we've seen, is there really that much of a gap between Levis and Bennett?
2: Yeah, so the the only thing that would concern me there, um, or I I shouldn't say concern. I, I guess the way that I'm looking at this, uh, stetson Bennett has the uh, the fortune of having so much talent around him that that he can do a lot of things it, it, it reminds me of some of the past Alabama quarterbacks that have they've been very good quarterbacks not not just electrifying but good you know game managers game managers just you know good solid quarterbacks that didn't do a whole lot of things wrong. They're not going to win you the game, but they're not going to lose it for you. Sure. Um, but you just have – Stetson Bennett just has so much talent around him. And Again, I can make that Alabama comparison that you have an offensive line that is one of the best in the country. You have some of the best running backs, some of the best wide receivers. You have some of the best overall talent around you that you can get away with being kind of sort of okay sometimes. Will Levis – has shown a lot of the abilities that, that the scouts are looking at with a lot less talent. And so, uh, you know, I, that's what makes me wonder if if Will Levis may actually be ultimately the better NFL quarterback because I, the scouts are seeing something in him with the technique and decision-making like that. I just have a feeling there's going to be some things about him that are going to make him look a little bit worse because the talent around him is not nearly what stetson has around him if you put a very talented team around will levis i think he could be great um and, and that's my take on that it, and it's the same thing with bo Nix. i mean bo Nix when he was here at auburn we saw some glimmers but there was just a lot of bad and it's like well was it really him or was it what was around him. You can say the same thing with Jarrett Stidham. I mean Jarrett Stidham came into Auburn as a highly highly rated quarterback. Did I mean the dude was amazing at Baylor and came to Auburn and it was like okay, you know where is this? But well, you, when you don't have the full talent around you, it's hard to to do a whole lot. So I I think that's that's just my take on that is that uh, with Stetson Bennett, he may end up proving me wrong and being a great pro quarterback eventually. But I just, I think he benefits
3: from just having all that talent around him. I think there's certainly something to that. I'm not going to knock Stetson Bennett at all. Like I said, I think he's a much better quarterback than he gets credit for. But I think he is having success because of the talent around him. I'm going to lean more into. I don't think Will Levis is going to be that good either. Right. I don't think Will Levis has has shown that. anything. I. You know, you talk about, oh, he's got this rocket arm. He makes great decisions. I haven't seen any of that. In, I, I've watched – I'll be honest, I have not watched every game that he's played at Kentucky, but I've watched a couple. And in every game, he looks wildly unimpressive to me. And I think that with, with the way that he has played, I really don't understand the hype behind Will Levis. And, uh, you know, Bo Nix I, – I, to, to your point, Tom, I think Jarrett Stidham looked great in 2017 – when he had a good team around him. And then 2018, a lot of that talent left, especially in that offensive line. And it was much, much worse. Uh, you also lost on Johnson that year. So I think, I, you know, a quarterback is what drives the car, right? Quarterback is your motor. Uh, but you've got to have good parts around him for him to be successful. But if you have good enough parts and you have a super successful quarterback, i.e. 2010 Auburn, uh, then I think you've got something really special.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because, and this is going to be something that's going to be brought up over and over again, I promise you, because Levis is just that guy. He's going to be taken that, to the
3: top 10 by somebody and their right, fan base is going to be pissed off. Based about
1: off it. of nothing more than just arm strength, you know, and yeah. just no, nothing college related. And I get it can't always be college related. That's why my slant on this question is the college version of these guys, because some guys need to do different things to succeed in the NFL right. than they need in college. Uh, but it's just the college version of Will Levis. I looked it up again: nineteen TDs, the ten picks, only twenty four hundred yards in the year. I don't even miss like a game, game and a half. Sixty five percent completion percentage. It's like if you if you just read numbers, and obviously this is not just a numbers game. But if you just read numbers, you would never know that Will Levis was going to go to the NFL, let alone be one of the top three or four QBs in the draft.
2: Which is what makes me think that there's something with him that scouts are seeing. There, there's some reason. There's something with Levis. That scouts are really, really loving right now because it's definitely not because he's not being hyped up like that potential first round.
1: I mean, they're talking about potential first overall pick. Kuiper hasn't. Kuiper does the mock draft, but he also does his position rankings off of kind of more of his opinion of how he grades that prospect right he has mocked Bryce Young first to Houston but in his positional rankings he has Will Levis number one
2: and so yeah they you know this is we're not talking about Will Levis being a a late first rounder second rounder no I mean we're legit talking about people considering him the, the number one overall pick potentially which that's ridiculous there's something with him that's outside of the numbers that has really caught the eye of scouts. And, and whether that's technique, whether it's just the arm strength, it's just, there's, there's something there that the scouts are seeing with Will Levis that they're really liking that's outside of the kind of it, – it's not paltry numbers, it's just kind of ho hums, kind of mediocre numbers that he's putting up there, and it's been just kind of a mediocre team for Kentucky this year. Uh, there's something the scouts see. I I don't know what it is. I'd have to, like, actually sit down with a scout and break down film and see if the scouts look at this and be like, this right here is what we're looking at for an NFL quarterback. Yes, it didn't work out because the wide receiver's an idiot and didn't run the route that he needed to, and the tackle's an idiot and missed the block, so it broke down. But with what Will Levis did on this play is what we look for. I think that's where that is going with Will. Um, I don't buy it. (laughs) I'm not on the Will Levis hype train. I I think it's kind of a joke. Now, Bryce Young, on the other hand... I, I would take that dude yeah. on, on on
1: my team every single gum day. Him and C.J. Stroud, I think, are the top two, and I'm very interested to see which one of them goes first. We certainly saw a lot of great quarterback play on New Year's Eve. That is sure. We'll continue to break those games down throughout the show, throughout the week, honestly, as we prepare for a national championship game next Monday. Let's take our final break of hour number one. When we come back, retired Am Steve joins us for the first time in 2023. This is the Monday edition of sports call
0: don't want to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm. this is philip lolly former auburn tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 national championship team and you are listening to sports call
1: welcome back to the first edition of sports call in 2023 ryan Lloyd, tom peavey and brant domfrey with you here today Watching a pretty epic close here to the Tulane and USC game in the... Very scary right now. Cotton Bowl. Potential targeting down at the 7-yard line. Two players are down on the ground. Tulane's 7 yards away from trying to take a lead with 17 seconds left. They're reviewing it targeting. targeting. There's a lot going on in this game. This is on the heels of... And I know after the fact that people won't care too much about this, but this is on the heels of a crucial mistake that USC made on the kickoff after Tulane had scored with four minutes left where they signaled fair catch and dropped the ball out of bounds at the one-yard line, which set up a safety. So not only did Tulane get the ball back pretty quickly, they got it back down six instead of down eight so they can win with a touchdown and a point after. Pretty epic cotton ball and good showing, by the way, for Tulane – Representing the AAC, as people have pointed out, Tulane would have been in the playoffs if this were yeah. the year 2024, uh, and they've proven to be a team that would have been exciting to watch in a playoff game in a 12-team yep. format. Uh, they,
2: yeah, so Tulane uh, they get the ball back after that safety, and they need uh, they're down six, and uh, they have converted two fourth down fourth and longs. They've converted two fourth and longs on this drive uh the last fourth down was a fourth and ten they converted and then just this long pass down to the seven uh but a definite head-to-head contact there both dudes were down it looked like the two lane player may have been knocked unconscious uh from the hit and they were tending to both of them southern cal guy was up going off the field but um a, a vicious head-to-head hit there uh, but he held onto the ball, so, yeah, Tulane will have the ball at the seven-yard line with 17 seconds left. Well, and if it's targeting, you make it the three-and-a-half-yard oh, that's line. Oh, right. that's right. Yeah, you do make uh, it, yeah. And Tulane will be out of timeout. So pretty- and, 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 it, and it was head-to-head. Yeah. Uh, it was the front it, of his head. It was, was face mask to head. It didn't look
1: like the crown of his helmet, but uh, I don't know how they're going to – Given the injuries here, I think referees are going to kind of consider that too. Yeah. And uh, probably will be called targeting if I had to guess. But uh, we will keep you up to date. As uh, that's an epic one here. By the way, uh, Tulane—one of the coolest helmet logos in all of football.
3: Yeah, I, I've always been a fan of the weird cartoon animal or yeah. logo, or, or you know, sentient thing. Uh, then I guess the tough-looking one. I don't know why, but there's there's something endearing about the the cartoon rather than the. Well, it's like with Auburn, the sailor Albie. Yeah, the, like
2: I've always liked the sailor Albie. Um, the, this cartoonish wave that Tulane has, I think, is really cool. Um, there's some other, um, uh, Missouri. I think Missouri did a sailor tiger yeah. for theirs. I know, um,
3: LSU, Auburn, Missouri, Clemson. Every tiger yeah. mascot has had a sailor tiger at some point. Yeah. I, mean, I think been, a couple of other schools have borrowed that right that design. And there's been some of those other kind of the, the
2: cartoon looking. Uh, I I, I want to say, well, NC State kind of has that cartoonish looking wolf. On their helmet, yeah, um, yeah,
3: I, it's this the sailor hat. Oklahoma Oklahoma, well.
2: Oklahoma State did a cartoony looking character. Is, on their uh, helmet. Western
3: Kentucky has worn big yeah. red on their helmets before, and there's nothing goofier than that thing. Yeah, so two things they did not call target. Oh, okay, it was a little surprising.
2: Like, well, like I said, it was face, it was front, it was face mask to head. It yeah. wasn't crown of the helmet. So,
1: and think, then secondly, an incomplete passer, which is a very good thing because Tulane would have been tackled in the field of play and probably ended the game. So they have a second and goal with twelve seconds left, and really exciting that bowl season is coming now. We've had these—the bigger the bowl game, the more exciting the game. It's felt like uh, this year. Oh, touchdown! As Tulane did just—oh no, complete. Oh man!
2: Oh no! Oh, Dropped he's, it in the end zone. He's—he's he's saying he caught it.
3: So pretty epic stuff. We oh my I, I smell a third review and like as many plays coming.
2: Yeah. Oh, I see. Is, the Tulane fans look like they're—I mean—they're I mean, they're about to cry because I mean this is Tulane; they're not used to this. I oh, that's a oh, touchdown! That touchdown. ball
3: never hit the ground. That is a touchdown.
2: Guys, that is a touchdown. Tulane is going to win this game.
3: Well, they, well, well, they, they, they got to make point after have to kick after. the extra <laughs> point. This is pretty epic. That is a that is one hundred percent a catch, man. If only USC had any semblance of defense. Like any at all. I said at the commercial break, we were watching this, and TCU was facing like a fourth and six, and they had gotten sacked on the first play, and I kind of said something along the lines of, man, USC can't play defense all year long, and now finally, when they need it, Tulane can't move the ball on them. Yeah, that ball never touched the ground. Yeah, now they're about to score and at least tie this game probably more.
1: We will get to retired Ward Steve, but we will hold Steve until the first of hour number two, so Steve can get a full amount of time in. We know that's precious to him, so Steve, hang in there. We will get to you to start hour number two, because we're only down to about four or five yeah. minutes left here in the first hour. And, and this game right here is
2: this is why I love college football so much, because... It, 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 just think about this in what realm of football football isms knowledges or whatever you want to call it, would you ever think about Tulane beating Southern Cal in the Cotton Bowl that sounds so far-fetched that you <laughs> yeah. just can't even wrap your head around it but Tulane was actually really good this year uh, and it I mean unless the referees just really royally stuff at the Tulane right here on this review uh, you might actually see Tulane beat Southern Cal in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, and you know, and I guess you could say the same thing when Central Florida beat Auburn in the Sugar Bowl.
1: And, or no, the Peach Bowl, excuse Peach you. Bowl, yeah. Peach Bowl. And you see, here's the thing: USC, because this is always the argument when the big team loses the small team. And I'm not saying it's never been true. But the big team, and it is a touch touchdown. Game. heck, yeah. The big Go team's Greenway. fan base always says, well, hey, we didn't actually care about that game yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Well, then why'd you blow two touchdown leads? It seemed like you yeah. cared for 55 minutes. Why did you, why did about that last five? Why did you
3: bother to put up 56 points, you the, know?
1: The most obvious example of a team not caring was like Florida, uh, the year Mullen kind of like sat half the first string <laughs> and they all transferred uh, and they all, or they all went pro. And they all sat the bowl game, and he literally said, "Yeah, we're just trying to get uh, some other guys out there and learn for next year." That's that's the sign of a team that's yeah. not really giving a crap. Extra point is it good. Is good. Yes. So, Man, barring nine a, seconds, barring a huge USC play, Tulane has pulled off still a very big upset. In this Cotton Bowl, this is a Southern Cal team that was about to be in the in the four. They were
3: about to yeah. be yeah. in, in the your. Final, if they, they were had about to be, Utah. Yeah, if
2: they had beaten Utah, they would have been in their final four. And now here they are, about to lose to Tulane. Wow, pretty what wild. A, what, a, what a show! What uh, a
3: show! I love this stupid sport, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's so dumb and so unpredictable, and that's why it's the best. And well, and and I, I this kind of goes to that debate that me and Bill Bailey
2: would have all the time about college football versus pro. I get it, pro the the. The product product is better. The product on the field is better because it's the best players in the world. Yeah, and they're 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 men. They're adults. They are professionals. They are professionals. Very overpaid professionals. Oh, very 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 overpaid professionals. I get it. The product on there is better. However, you just don't. uh, There are upsets that happen, but it doesn't have the same.
3: Field the, the field is so much closer. The worst team in right. the NFL is about five players away from matching the best team in the NFL. Yeah. And college football is just not that. The, the, the pool is so much larger and deeper. Right. Uh, so when you have an upset like this, it's so much more shocking.
1: If you looked at the totality of these rosters, and I know USC is not even as pro-laden right now as it may be. Maybe that was another dumb decision. He just fell down. He He just fell down. Um, As not as pro-laden as an Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State. But if you just took the current rosters, USC versus Tulane, how many people end up as pros in two, three, four, five years? USC's probably still got 20, 25 guys that end up playing pro football. At least making
3: a training camp or so.
1: Tulane might have five, you know, maybe ten at the most, at the very most, but they might only have, like, five. And so it's pretty um, – that, that, that's that's to your point, Tom. It's pretty unbelievable in some senses of how uh, these upsets happen. And there are absolutely upsets in the NFL, but to Brand's point, I mean, the margin of good teams and bad teams, you can pick every single year a team that picks in the top ten of the draft, and you could find – that team had lost like six one possession games. You could change a team's entire season with like seven plays. Right. And you could take a five win team into a 10 win team, just like that. Um, but in college, you know, it, again, not necessarily like that. Bottom to top, there's a big difference. And so I know we've spent a lot of time here at the end of this hour talking about this Tulane USC game. We're going to talk about the playoff games that happen in hour number two. But, um, you know, this is the part of why. They're going to keep the bowl games even with an extended playoff yeah. because even though you can say that their value is even more diminished, you still get crazy fun uh, stuff like this. Here we this. go. Here we go. Yeah, we're the about hook. to have
3: the lateral play. Yeah. He's, no. Well.
2: No. No. Oh wait. <laughs> no. No. That's oh a, that's gosh, a, that, that was an illegal. That, that's, that's an illegal forward, forward pass. That looks more forward than backwards. Yeah. That should have been an illegal forward pass. You, Southern Cal, still got the whole. Cal stands out of oh the There we go. All right, there it's it is. Over. I was going to say,
1: they didn't get past the 20 yard line. How long <laughs> so, did we blabber there for 20 seconds that play went on and they'd never gotten past the 50? Yeah. 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 They, they actually went backwards. <laughs>
2: yeah. Hey, how about this? How about the SEC retroactively claiming a cotton ball? Because, you know, oh, yeah. uh, Tulane was a member of they the a SEC from found, 1932 it? to 1965. So, really, USC
1: was the true underdog. Ah. Ah. SEC. Yeah.
3: SEC. It and just means more. I knew I knew that Tulane was in the U- was in the SEC at some point. I didn't yeah. know were they a well, founding member. I, I'm pretty sure 1932,
2: they were. maybe uh, I don't know about. I know they were 1932, but I mean, Swannie used to be in the SEC as well. That's true. Yeah, and uh, Georgia
3: Tech,
1: and Georgia Tech. <laughs> uh,
3: USC led this game 45 to 30 with four and a half minutes left. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that. Uh, Ryan, when, when the show started, there was. A really bad decision to try and field a ball that eventually went out of bounds at the one yard line, and then that's where USC got the ball, which led to a safety, which led to this. You and I kind of looked at each other and just said, "Well, it's, something funky's about to happen." Yeah. So this is the other thing that I want to
2: say, and going this is kind of going back into my my difference between pro and college. Um,
3: you get mistakes. You get. By the way,
1: mistakes. sorry to cut you off, Tom. They're showing a USC player hands. Head in his hands, borderline crying right, right now. Again, if you believe that USC didn't care about this game, this yeah. FYI,
2: um, but it, it's, it, my whole thing is the passion in college football just so far surpasses that of the NFL. I get it. There's passionate fans in the NFL at your city, and I I get that. However, put yourself in the city in the place of a Tulane fan, a Tulane alum, somebody that loves that school. They've had some moderate success here and there, but, you know, they're the little guy. They're the little guy that nobody ever even thinks about. Lowly little green wave over there in New Orleans, Louisiana. Who cares? They have just beat. They have just won the Cotton Bowl over one of the most blue-bloodest of blue-blood college football programs that you could ever imagine in the Southern Cal Trojans. You don't get that type of passion in, in the NFL. I'm sorry. You just don't. I don't care. If you have been a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan and they might finally win the Super Bowl, it, 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 no. I, it's, it's just not going to match
1: the little guy conquering the giant like this. Epic stuff to end hour number one of the new year, but it was very fun stuff indeed. We're talking about the Cotton Bowl right there. We'll start off hour number two with retired Ward M. Steve. As promised, you're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call.
0: And now coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two of the new year underway. I'm Ryan LaVoy and I host this show. I've got Tom Peavy and Brent Dockery with me here this afternoon. Just saw an epic conclusion to the Cotton Bowl. That saw Tulane beat Southern Cal. And now the game that Southern Cal... Would have normally been in if they had won the Pac-12. Of course, they wouldn't have made the playoffs this year. But the Rose Bowl coming up next. Utah-Penn State. Keep an eye on that one. It's the last game, I guess, before the national championship is played next Monday. It's a pretty epic day of bowl games today. and We'll continue to talk about that throughout the show. But as promised, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Open hour number 2334 2334- 334 887-341-LOCALLY or toll free one 9 tiger 9 Next up, Wardam Steve. Retired Wardam Steve joins us. Steve, thank you for patiently waiting. I hope you have a Happy New Year so far.
4: Happy New
5: Year to you, to Mr. Tom and Mr. Brent.
1: Thank you, thank you. Happy New
3: Year to you as well. Thank you, Steve.
5: Good to hear your voices and uh, thank you for letting me uh, hold on because I was watching the game <laughs> like you guys were and I still can't believe they blew a what, a 15-point lead?
1: Yes, 15 points with just under five minutes left.
5: You know, the only other team I can think of that would do that would be us.
1: <laughs>
2: I I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of teams yeah. out there that would think Ohio that. State blew a similar lead with yeah, about seven did. or eight
1: minutes. Yeah, uh, well.
2: Well, TCU also tried to blow a huge lead against Michigan. I mean, they TCU looked like they had that game well in hand against yeah. Michigan, and then that turned into an epic shootout.
5: Yeah, you know, um, my son got a degree. One of his degrees uh, from Southern California. Uh, he is right now just kind of numb.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was so, a it was a big uh, one.
5: Well, let's let's uh let's get going, guys. And look, you are definitely appreciated uh, for letting me uh, have a little bit more time than maybe you didn't have to. You could have got me on to at four forty-five, you know, uh, and that that'd have been okay. But I appreciate you really to to put me on hold and let me uh, come on here. All right, so I've got the next two hours apparently. Uh, myself is that right guys
1: well not not quite that long but uh more, right, okay. more than the four minutes we had at the time
5: well it's good to hear you because for one thing you're going to be uh the the new uh person in charge of uh of the radio show so i look i look forward to maybe some creative uh, innovations on your end as well uh um, mr ryan boy
1: yes sir definitely as we progress through the spring as well we'll start to break some new things out we're uh, busy with you know this this our time of the year with a bunch of high school sports a lot of Auburn sports to cover and that sort of thing but definitely as we get through the spring we're going to bring back some some segments that JJ created and create some new ones as well so definitely stay tuned for that.
5: Well, I'm sure you must have had. Well, I suspect you had an enjoyable time uh, in the second half of uh, uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Carolina Panthers game. Uh, what a uh, comeback by Mr. Brady! Uh, I don't know how close you were. Uh, to the field, did you happen to uh, see those or anywhere close uh, those three uh, sneaks, uh, quarterback sneaks that uh, Tom Brady did?
1: Yeah, so uh, I don't mind divulging where I sit. I sit actually six rows from the field. Um, I am in the end zone, not the pirate ship end zone, the end zone where they added some temporary seating, and I'm six seats or six rows rather uh, from the field. So I'm very close, and when they uh, when they come. Uh, Towards the end zone like I said that's not in the pirate ship I I see it all very clearly and uh, you know I certainly saw um, that last QB sneak where he scored and then spiked the ball that was very close to where I was and um, there's been a lot of epic moments in that particular end zone they've actually scored the winning touchdown against the Rams and the Saints in that end zone too so I've seen uh, a lot of epic touchdowns come my way. So for a team that is eight and 8-8 eight and that has struggled a lot, I feel like I've seen two seasons' worth of dramatically positive moments.
5: And I didn't know this until I read it now. I didn't watch the game, but I was reading about it. And apparently um, he made NFL history uh, uh, yesterday. His 34 completions made him the first player in NFL history. I'm reading this here with five consecutive games of 30-plus completions. Oh, wow. And the first, the first to post 10 games of 30-plus completions in a single season.
1: Yeah, obviously the Bucks have had to throw it a lot this year. Their running game is still last in the NFL. And Tom's had a, a lot more uh, short completions. I mean, he's always had some short completions, but this year they've been even shorter, it feels like, at times. So they've had to throw it a lot to make just a little bit of yardage. And uh, obviously that was not the case on Sunday because he was throwing it deep down the field to Evans, but uh, he's had to he's had to drop back a lot again this year. And I was going to say Mike Evans has not really had the
2: greatest of years from from Mike Evans' standards. He has not really had it. Now, he, yesterday, yes,
1: but Mike Evans, one of his top receivers, has not really had that great of a year this year. Right? They, they, he hasn't had the touchdown production, and and they've have. Missed on him a few deep balls. He, he dropped one in the first Carolina game that was very notable early in the game. Uh, he did, however, get his ninth consecutive 1,000-yard season after yesterday's performance, which is an NFL record to start a career Nine straight 1,000-yard seasons start his career. So he's been there. He's not maybe been there uh, in the red area like he has in years past, uh, just three touchdowns coming into yesterday. But, uh, yeah, a lot of those passes have been short, Steve, and and uh, that's why Brady's been able to have a lot of completions, but yet also the Bucs not necessarily have a lot of points this year.
5: Yeah, well, they were fortunate that the division they in, uh, was uh, a yes. very uh, let's not just say it, was not the strongest of the conferences very very,
3: very not good yeah
5: now i didn't know this y'all read it but uh before yesterday's game Brady had only sneaked three times the entire season and he did it all in one game three uh yesterday
1: he only did what uh what three times in one season he only
5: he only had three quarterback sneaks the entire season oh, before right. yesterday's game yeah
1: yeah well and the thing is, is, he's always been very effective at doing it. But as with anything, as you can imagine, I'm sure the Bucks have absolutely not wanted the 45-year-old to get hit time and time again. Uh, but it is something that they have to start doing, I and mean, they obviously did it when they needed to. They know it's effective. They know they've not been effective in other short-yardage situations, and at this time of year, it, 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 all all bets are off. You've got to succeed on the plays, and so they went to it when they absolutely had to yesterday.
5: And, this quote, uh, at the end of the game, uh, he was asked by somebody yes, how?" how he felt about after the game quote he says I feel like the luckiest guy in the world
1: yeah he loves the game of football uh, or else he would have retired long ago as many usually do and uh, I know it's been a very troublesome year on the field and off the field for him but I think again you just see the pure joy that he has to play the game and he deeply loves it and, and again that's why he's played so long
5: All right, staying with the NFL real quickly guys how about Mr. Dale Carson yesterday? What he did? He's he 57 good. 57 yard field goal ties his record.
2: Yeah. Now he he has uh, he has put together an incredible professional career and, and is yeah he's continuing to do it and one uh, of the Vikings that released him yeah yeah good job good job Minnesota
5: <laughs> yeah well uh, they said that he also I'm reading this uh, from Mark Inabett that apparently he also tied the league's single season record for field goals of 50 or more yards.
1: Oh, wow. And he'll have an opportunity to break it next week then.
5: And how does he not made it to the uh, Pro Bowl?
1: I don't know. We were kind of talking a little bit about that last week. This year's right. Pro Bowl, right? Uh, I don't think so unless he's now this, in it as an alternate. This
5: year's going to be a flag football game.
2: Yeah, it's a flag. I, I swear he got named to the Pro Bowl oh, this
1: did year. I thought. I thought,
5: I thought. I thought you guys said he didn't make it.
1: <clears throat> I thought we talked about last week that he had not made it and now maybe that's changed because people get injured and uh, some people don't commit to the event and that sort of thing. But well,
5: I just wonder who made it in his place.
1: I mean, I would imagine for the AFC it would be Justin Tucker Yeah. if it was not Carlson because Tucker's awesome too. Uh, and he's been regarded as the best kicker in the league for probably six or seven years now.
5: Mm, okay. All right. Uh, and then real, real quickly, guys, about something that just came up uh, – from the Spun, I saw Kirk Herbstreit called out, probably coach on college games. I had to read it. Uh, you may already know it. Uh, apparently, he didn't like it, and we've talked about it before. But Caleb Williams had on his fingernails painted in the Pac-12 championship game, right? And uh, Kirk Street's remark was, uh, he says, "Clean that shk shit up." Uh-huh. But he said, "Now, why is he even making this comment now? I mean, this has happened to the regular, you know." Season and uh, I thought to me, well, why is this important to make this comment now? Yeah, I just didn't know uh, if you guys had read it.
1: Well, had they had a college game day since that Pac-12 championship game? Yes, they had. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I would have th- maybe I would have thought maybe he'd do it in that one. Then maybe it was simply because this most recent one was kind of more in regards to the the next USC game since it was coming up. Uh, and he, I, you know, I mean, it was more relevant because it was a couple days away. I mean, I don't know. I, I maybe he also wanted to collect his thoughts about it, and he knew he'd be on a little bit later in the in the season.
5: Yeah, all right. That the games of uh, the playoffs, guys. They were probably the best playoff games I've seen in quite some time, and I was so glad to see TCU uh, pull it out because all the computers, <clears throat> the Sportsline.com computer, had them giving them a twenty-three percent chance of winning. Right. In fact, they had uh, Michigan winning by double digits. So, so much for those 10,000 simulations, right?
1: Right. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when you only play it once. You know, I mean, that's still met, even with 23%, that means roughly one out of every four times TCU does still win that game. And, well, this was the one. And so they were underdogs, but they, they played lights out, they led the majority of the way. And you got to give them a lot of credit for proving a lot of people wrong,
5: right? And uh, that to me is to me a, a even more convincing statement. Uh, unlike I know Luke sees it differently, but I can't wait for the two twelve team playoffs because I believe it's going to make uh, the, the playoffs more exciting and the regular season more exciting. It's going to mean more.
3: Yeah, I've been. I'm not going to say I've been a proponent of a 12-team playoff, but I've always, since since the playoff, they started talking about expanding it. I've always been a fan of moving in that direction. I think that more important football games is a good thing. I think the more games you play, uh, the better. Now, obviously, there's a limit. The sport of football does things to your body. You can't play more than 15 or so in a, in a year, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the 12-team playoff. I think that at some point, we are going to have a 12 seed beat a one seed. That is going to happen, um, and, and I, you know, I'm giving TCU a better chance than most people are. I think, and I, I'm really looking forward to this national championship game. I think Georgia will win, but I think TCU is going to keep it close.
5: Yeah, and you know about those two games, guys. You know, uh, and I heard Jeff comment. Some of them had merit, and Jeff, uh, I'm going to say this now. You know, yeah, I was pulling for Ohio State. I do not, I'm not convinced after watching the Washington game that the best team or the better team won between uh, those two teams. Uh, why? Well, for one reason, uh, Georgia never led the entire game until the last, what, minute and a half, and they only tied it once. And Ohio State, to me, was the more dominant team, not Georgia. Uh, and then we had some, to me, questionable officiating. Uh, in that game that maybe could have um, made the outcome different. Uh, one of them was being a targeting call on Harrison, their running back for Ohio State in the end zone, that was reviewed and taken back.
3: And you know, I, and, Steve, I, I know what call you're talking about. I did not think that was targeting. I don't. I think it well, was a shoulder-to-shoulder hit. a concussion
5: hit. that didn't allow him to return to the game. He did have a concussion. I, I don't think it yeah. was a
3: result of being hit in the head with the other player's head okay I, I don't right. I don't think that's targeting by rule of targeting and another thing I, it, no good coach is ever going to blame officials nobody nobody it, you, you can't blame that game on officials and and yes Georgia did not lead until the very end but they led when it mattered you know when the game was over they had more points I I think that was a game where two teams were very close they were very close in talent very close in coaching and I think that at the end Georgia pulled it out when it mattered I I'm not going to say Georgia is better than Ohio State, but I am going to say that Georgia won that game fair and square. And I think that I, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with the results, even though, yes, I was rooting for Ohio State to win. Well, how
5: about the roughing the passer call?
3: Now, that oh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't remember that. Now, that, now there was I'm a, a, there was a very
2: egregious roughing the passer call in the Michigan TCU game. That that was just absolutely ridiculous. I I don't remember the one in yeah in the That's Georgia Ohio State. Is. Yeah, no, oh, that was that was dumb. That that was.
3: Oh oh yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah the, yeah, yeah. The guy had his arm up in the air to yeah. and just kind of ran into him. I mean, he didn't
1: do anything. Those were uh, those were
3: SEC refs, by the way. Yeah,
1: the Michigan. Now, if you want to talk about referees not being great, the, the Michigan TCU game there was there were several of questionable things to say the least in that one.
5: All right. Let me throw this at you guys because I said, "Wow! Either he's smart as all get out. Uh, his name is Kirby Smart. How about that last what momentary timeout when it was fourth and what uh, was it? One yard, two yeah, yards? Did Ohio they need to make and they made it, but they called it back. So my question is this, guys: For what I read is he had gone, Kirby Smart, gone and told the official he wanted a timeout. But the play had already progressed, so it's a play if you already snapped it and the play's already almost ended, they can still just call, nope, that was a timeout. It doesn't it doesn't matter. There was already run. All
3: right, the, so the, well, the timeout has to be called before the ball is yeah. snapped. The, the, it does not have to be whistled, but the coach has to be calling for it. Right, he he was he was running down the sideline. Some
2: I think somebody from the booth. Was screaming down to them because they saw the formation that they were in, and they because they set up like they're going to punt, but the formation had a guy up there in Georgia. I'm sure somebody from the booth up top saw something and were screaming down to call a timeout. He was running down the sideline screaming, Timeout, timeout, timeout. Then the ball got snapped. The referee blew the timeout. So if he's yelling for the timeout before it gets caught, before the snap, then they can still call the timeout. So he was legit on that. He, he called it before, he was screaming timeout before the ball was snapped.
5: Wow. Okay.
2: But it was well, a, br- a, a brilliant 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 whoever kudos to whatever staffer from georgia saw that formation and realized something was up that saved the game and it yeah, saved the absolutely. game for him i mean one of the most brilliant timeout calls that you could possibly ever see and so whoever saw that and realized that they were in a formation that looked like they might do something different like a like sneak it or uh, or fake it uh, i mean just an absolute brilliant brilliant timeout call there
5: and I thought it was a brilliant game by C.J. Stroud. I
2: mean, I, read, and I he played his heart out. Yeah, he was he, awesome. He did, against a, a very, very good secondary that he
1: just torched. Because, I mean, look, and, Georgia – against a
5: defense right number one in the country, weren't they?
1: Right, because I was going to point out, Steve, we do only have another minute or two with you and we got to get to another caller, but I did want to uh, point out that, remember, that same Georgia defense got Hendon Hooker and Tennessee twisted sideways. I mean, they shut Tennessee down for all intents and purposes – uh, but then we saw Ohio State score almost at will on him. And so Ohio State had a very great plan and, and CJ Stroud's kind of been this really good quarterback that it's almost been forgotten about at times because he lost the Heisman to Bryce Young last year and he obviously did not win the Heisman Caleb love or Caleb Williams, excuse me, won it this year. Uh, but Stroud's always been really damn good and he's just not, for whatever reason, gotten the big moment that everyone else has had, and I know that technically he didn't even have it against Georgia because they did not win, but he was awesome in that game, and Brian alluded to this earlier, but he should absolutely be the number two QB taken in the NFL draft because he's been really good his entire time at Ohio State.
5: I would agree. right, I know my time is quick, so instead of giving a typical New Year's resolution, I want to throw this guy this out to you guys and to the uh, listeners as well. Um, and this comes from an 80-year study by some Harvard researchers um, This is intended to uh, find out what helps people feel happier. It's called Developing Warmer Relationships with Science-Backed Exercises, 80-year study. And I'll give you the first two that they suggest that you might want to consider as a challenge. And I'm going to try myself as well. Number one, tell someone why you're grateful for them right now number two talk to strangers by asking how your day been instead of how you doing okay and you've already met number one uh, Ryan because I listen to the podcast and the things that you shared about Ryan about your connection in, with him uh, you've already done that and in fact uh, I had to get a tissue box out because uh, huh. it had me uh, getting cheerful so I want to applaud you for uh uh, those are uh, just really sincere and uh, authentic uh, the feelings and emotions that you were able to express uh, to JG about uh, what he has meant to you. So you accomplished number one, so uh, you're to be applauded. All right, guys, I'm out of time, I know that. Thank you for your time, as always. I appreciate everything that you guys do behind the scenes as well. And uh, I look forward to this 2023. I already posted some comments on your website. Uh, I'm looking forward to another Abby from you guys, okay? No pressure, Ron. <laughs>
1: We certainly hope so, and Steve, we hope you have a happy new year, and we're excited to have you back again in 2023.
5: Hi, right, guys. Talk to you more, War Eagle.
1: War Eagle. That is retired War Dam Steve on our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341, locally, toll-free, eight nine. tiger 9 Let's take one more phone call before our first timeout of the second hour. Next up, Terry from Auburn. Terry joins us. Terry, how are you doing?
6: Doing great, guys. How y'all doing today?
1: Doing well. Happy well, New right. Year.
6: Fantastic! I know you're y'all. Um, where do you guys stand on the argument that there are just too many bowl games?
2: I, I I like it just because I like the more college football the better. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Now, yeah, some of them. Do I really care about the Bahamas Bowl? Watching two teams play in front of like 25 people in the Bahamas? I did this year because it was UAB. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it's still college football, uh, and and yeah, I mean I, I'm the more the merrier for me. Yeah, I'll go without.
6: I, I see what you are saying, but I don't know. I just I grew up. I'm fifty six years old. I grew up at a time when a bowl game was a reward for a good season, and this year we've seen Rice go with a five and seven record. That's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, well, and well, I mean Auburn almost went. Uh, I think when New Mexico and that would have been equally as
6: ridiculous. Yeah.
2: Well, and and the thing is because you because you have those bowl games it's almost like the five wins has become the plateau now you need six but if you get five you might get one right if your APR is high. yeah yeah. and so yeah I mean that's it's a little weird whenever you're a five-win team playing in a bowl game but still it's it's college football it's fun it is still a reward for the kids uh, that are playing on there for for the for the cheerleaders for the band for the administration for the players it's it's still a treat and it is a reward for them. Even though, yeah, you may have only won five games, but you still get kind of thrown the bone, I guess you could say. Granted you're not going to be playing in the in the Rose Bowl or the Sugar or one of these big, massive bowl games with TV exposure. But you still, you know, you you get the you get the chance to go and play. I mean, you had it when. Yeah,
6: and you're missing a very valid point there when you take the players, the coaches, the cheerleaders, the band, all that stuff. It's about the sponsors and the amount of, enormous amount of dollars they pump into those ridiculous bowls. That's well, what it's about.
2: Uh, absolutely. It, it is. Uh, I mean, it, it is about the money. Uh, the TV contracts and the sponsors, of, that's why you have the whatever, whatever dot com bowl. That, that's why Birmingham the, don't have a name of a bowl. It's just the Birmingham Bowl, yeah. just the Birmingham Bowl, Exactly. I, but I, thought, but I thought it was a the ticket smarter Birmingham. I was going to say there, yeah. there's, a, there's a sponsor in there somewhere, though. Um, I, you know, but, but again, whether it's some money or not, my thought on it is it's still a college football game, and I would rather there be a college football game on that I don't care about than there not being Whoa. a college football game on.
6: Well, based on Birmingham's this year, I'll be the 911 Bowl, so as far yeah. as I'm concerned, uh, for all the crime that goes on over there. Um, guys, I think the, fun, the, the thing I look forward to the most in this year is the portal. Who can Auburn get to, to patch up the patchwork that Hugh Freeze has got to do? Uh, naturally, I think he's got to get some more offensive linemen. I've never heard to get linemen. I'm glad he recognizes it. None of the other idiots who he had recognized that. But that's okay. Um, but he does, and, that, and he's the coach now, and that's what the bottom line. But he you knows why, though. There will be another 500-plus guys into the portal. It's going to be interesting. have you guys heard anything, do you guys have any opinions?
2: Uh, you know, the portal is what it is. and I mean, it is – uh, you know when the the, the rules that the NCA has kind of opened up, as far as that goes, I, I think there's a little bit too much. I, I wish there was some way they could kind of rein that in, but I don't think there is. And I mean, ultimately, you're just kind of looking at a at a free agency uh, every single year, and now you throw the NIL in there, you can start throwing a lot of money around to these guys to come to you. So. Uh, I, I, I do think that in a sense that it has gotten way out of hand when you just have that many players in the portal. it, it makes me think that you you know there's not a whole lot of uh, uh, commitment to your to your school and your program. You're kind of looking for the, the biggest payday or the next you know grass is greener on the other side type deal. I wish, that, that could change but ultimately that's just not where we're at now you are you may not see a whole lot of guys stay a full three or four years at of school you're gonna see some but uh, you're gonna have guys bouncing around and I mean you, and we've already seen superstar players bouncing around so True. it is what it is I, I'm not a huge fan of it um, but I would be a fan if if Hugh Freeze can take advantage and start bringing in some of the best players the
6: other, the other two guys how do y'all feel about it? same way do you agree?
1: Yeah, I, I think there will be another wave of, um, of players, uh, obviously not as big as the... 1,500 or so, but but a pretty consequential amount. Um, I do think that Hugh Freeze is smart in the examination that there needs to be, A, more offensive lineman and B, some more front seven guys uh, just based off the numbers that they have lost in the last couple of years through the pros and transfers and that sort of stuff in the front seven. So I think he's got the priorities correct there. Um, obviously there are going to have to be guys coming in at almost every position, honestly, uh, because because the, the depth is pretty depleted but I, I think that Hugh Freeze has brought a very energetic approach to it which is what's required because I mean let's, let's face it you know this is a whether coaches like it or not whether we like it or not this is a very big part now of roster building. And so mm-hmm. it's something you've got to buy into. And, and look, you still are always going to have to get the high school kids and you're going to have to attempt to develop them and make them a part of your program. But also the reality is you're never done recruiting your own players. You're never done recruiting someone else's players in this day and age. And so you know, building through the portal is just a part of the part of it now.
6: Yeah, because yeah, as far as, as, as I've got, some starters that might be at Auburn are not even there yet.
3: Yeah, I I definitely think that's true. I think that you're going to have to go out. I think Auburn gets at least another edge guy. I think they get another linebacker or two. Uh, I think a couple more offensive linemen are on the way. And I tell you what, I I think they're going to go out and get another quarterback. I think Hugh Freeze has said as much. If the right guy enters the portal, uh, then they're going to go out and get him, or at least try to. And uh, they're they're deep in talks with um, the kid who was at Oregon State this year. I can't remember his name, but uh, they're they're going after him hard right now too. So I think that, uh, you know, I don't think you can build a championship team Uh, using just the portal. I still think high school recruiting has to be your real lifeline, but uh, I think you can certainly plug holes with the portal. I think that's what it needs to be used for. The fact is Auburn just has a ton of holes right now.
6: Yeah, wouldn't that be brutal? Because isn't the LSU quarterback, the Oregon State transfer from last year?
3: No, he was – where was Jordan? Arizona Arizona State. He was Arizona State, yeah. Okay, well, I'm saying corrected there. But
6: uh, Oregon State had a phenomenal offense – um, you know, so who knows what'll happen there? You never know. I mean, uh, they look really good, but uh, he's got to get somebody. I, you know, the more, the more I'm starting to lean toward the argument that he might have more faith in Robbie Ashford than we're giving him credit for. Now, the good news has TJ Philly left the team?
3: He has not, not he's, officially, he not is, uh, he's on. Tra- <laughs> wow, he's on track to graduate in the spring, and he's expected to enter the portal after that.
6: Okay. Well, I didn't have the portal. You know, look, guys, I'm joking around. He's a fine young man, and and I'm sure he has a bright future in whatever he chooses to do. Won't be football but unless he goes to a a smaller level. Do you guys agree with that? He needs to transfer down a level.
3: Yes, I I, I think he will end up transferring down a level. I think his younger brother is a wide receiver at Southeast Louisiana, and I mm -hmm. I expect that's where
1: he'll end up. We had this conversation either last week or the week before kind of about Joey Gatewood and how he's had to transfer multiple times, even moved to wide receiver with Gus at UCF and is now in the portal again for a fourth time. Is he really? Um, is he really? And, and we talked about this Jinx. in the context of usually guys, if they don't get it right the first or second time, surely they then get that they're just, they're just not on that level. They need to go down a level. That used to be more of what happened with transfers if you go 10, 15 years back. Like if you were not able to play at a school like Auburn or just at a, a big Power 5 school, you would transfer down any. Into either a Mac school, a Sunbelt school, conference, USA, what have you, or even FCS, and then you would get to play that way, and then maybe it would become a, oh, remember this kid was at Auburn or this kid was at you know West Virginia or something. Now he's pretty darn good down here, uh, and he, you get the chance to play. And so some of these guys – Don't – maybe it's just – maybe they're told the wrong thing. Maybe they have too much confidence in themselves. You always want to believe in yourself, right? But at the same time, maybe there's a certain level of truth that you've got to admit to. But I think these guys have got to realize, especially after a, a transfer or two, that maybe if you really want to play, it's not going to be at the level you think you should be playing on. Maybe it is down at the FCS level or at the very least in the group of five. Yeah,
6: you well, know, look, guys, when I look at TJ Finley's high, career, high school career, I think of when I was in high school 35 years ago. And I think some guys are just good in high school because they're just bigger and faster than everybody else. That's True. not that way in college.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean that, that happens at all these levels sometimes you're, you're sure. used to doing things that you can't get away with when the athletes are all the same that happens in high school basketball all the time it, sure it does. If, if you're the only player on the team that can dunk well then you're going to kind of stand out but then you get to the college and all but one kid can dunk they can all dunk so it doesn't really matter that you can dunk anymore guys right. don't
6: blow y'all's mind you know who was a center at one of my rival high schools when i was in high school it was alan Ogg. you remember alan Ogg at uab yeah absolutely he was he was a center at gardendale high school i was at pinson valley high school
1: oh wow yeah
6: and so he was just so much bigger than everybody i yeah. could deal
1: with him i i can imagine there's not many seven foot one guys running around high school no no you just you just hold your hands up high you make sure the pass is in the general vicinity of your elbow you just turn and put it in pretty much that's all you do Okay, take care, guys. Have a good day. Appreciate the phone call. Terry, Happy New Year. That is Terry from Auburn on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to pay the bills, take a time out here. More sports call coming up after this.
0: Sports Call Crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now, back to the multi-time Abby Award winning Sports Call.
1: Skull. Here, the first show of the new year. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy. Here this afternoon, just enjoyed phone calls from Terry and retired M. Steve. You want to give us a call? 334 887 3401 locally. Toll free 1 9 Tiger 9. Coming up in hour number three, we will have some new year sports fan resolutions. What do you guys want to do a little differently as sports fans the new year? You want to eat an extra hot dog every single time that you go to a sporting event. You just want to be a hot dog guy. <laughs> uh, I, every single time I go to a Bucks game, I always get a souvenir soda. That's my thing. So I'm getting a Mount Everest amount of cups from these Bucks games with all the different uh, pictures. Like it was Bruce Arians Ring of Honor Day yesterday. Heck, so yeah. Bruce Arians butt is on a on a cup there. And so that's what I do. And uh, we'll have some maybe thoughts on ways to change our fandoms or continue our fandoms in 2023. That's coming up in the five o'clock hour. As promised, let's talk a little bit about the playoff games from New Year's Eve on Saturday. Uh, We've talked a little bit about the Georgia game already. So let's start with TCU and Michigan and Uh, Max Duggan was not statistically brilliant, but he made big plays. And TCU in general made a plethora of big plays. And they win an incredibly high-scoring game with Michigan that in the third quarter just got straight bonkers, to be quite honest with you.
3: that, That game was crack. That game was crack and the third quarter, especially. That is one of the most entertaining quarters of football I think I've ever watched. And you can say, ah, well, the defense was bad. Does it really, is it good football or is it just the defense being terrible? I don't care. I do not care. It was so much fun to watch. I, I, I love high-scoring games. I love low-scoring games. I love games where at least somebody is playing at a super high level. And just to watch those two go back and forth like a tennis match was awesome. Yeah.
2: You know, one of the epic turns in that game was Michigan's long touchdown pass that was then overturned on review to the one. And his, his butt yeah. came down at the one, but it felt like he was still kind of bobbling as he went into the end zone. I thought it may have been a touchdown. All the announcers thought it was going to be a touchdown. I thought it was as The, well. the officials said no at the one-inch line. The very next play, they fumble it right back to TCU for a, a touchback. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me that this is happening like this? I, that game was just, like you said, a tennis match. It's, it, yeah. it, it was just a somebody tie, then take the lead, then tie, and take the lead, tie, take the lead, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. An incredible game. Max Duggan, I know his stats were not the greatest, but that is one of the toughest SOBs oh, yeah. playing the position of quarterback that I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that for sure. kid, That kid just is so impressive how just darn tough he is. I mean, just tough as nails to and he, do what
3: he does. He loves TCU, doesn't he? Yeah. He loves that school. And here's, here's one other thing. Yes, Michigan did get screwed in the fact that they didn't get awarded a touchdown that I definitely feel like they should have been. Um, more than that, why are you running a fullback dive in that situation? Right. You have if you have less than a yard to go, just sneak it. Just sneak it. I don't care if you're worried about your quarterback getting hurt. You're in the college football playoff semifinal. You cannot call a play. You cannot you cannot not call a play because you're scared your quarterback's going to get hurt. You've got to try and win. Give your quarterback a chance to sneak that ball, especially cuz you've got the best offensive line in college football. Two years in a row, they won. They won the what is the what is the award called? Joe Moore, you won yep. the Joe Moore Award two years in a row, which goes to the best offensive line in football. It's the only award in all of sports that is awarded to a group rather than an individual. I love offensive linemen. Anyway, it, you you are given that opportunity at that spot. Sneak the damn ball. Why why would you try to this this quick handoff with a guy who barely ever touches the ball? You know, it's fullbacks are not meant to. To run the dive play, you know, I, as much as I love well, my not fullbacks. anymore at least. Not anymore. They were, yeah.
1: Uh, there's that's a fair. few
3: Hall of Fame fullbacks
1: <laughs> that, that used to be the only thing they'd they'd get that to is true. The ball that is true. Um, but you're right, it, and that's the concept. I, people are going to disagree with me here, and, and that's fine. We're going to disagree on this program, and that's okay. So a lot of people get really upset when you need like a yard or half a yard, and you go out a shotgun. Right? I hate that. You hate that. See, right? I that's hate fine. It. Here's what my problem here or here here's my thing. If you're not used to going under center, then yeah. don't go under center. Yes. Now yeah. if you're it an is. offense that does use single back stuff and, and goes under center, then then sure. Uh, just just stay under there and sneak it, do stuff like that. But if you run every single play out of pistol or shotgun, and then all of a sudden you try because I yeah. watched this happen in the NFL, by the way, a couple weeks ago, and it was in uh, the Falcons-Saints game. Taysom Hill hardly ever goes under center. He's a shotgun guy. It's a gadget guy. He's just not used to being under center. The Saints, now granted, they still won. There was like 25 seconds left when they were trying to wrap this up. So it was it, it didn't cost them. But they try and go under center with Taysom Hill on fourth and one to sneak in the Falcons, get the first down, and run out the clock. And he fumbled the snap because he's used to being in shotgun he's used to being in pistol and all of that and so he's not used to handling that exchange and so my simple rebuttal is if this is a team that is 99 percent of the time or greater out of the shotgun don't don't go under center because yeah. you're not used to that now if you if you do play action stuff and you get under center and do all that then then sure that that's a very fair argument and so my point here is with the qb sneaking it's that you know or, or with the fullback dive, rather, it's like you're right. If, if if the fullback never touches the ball, now I know there's practice. I get it, but unless the fullback has actually touched the ball multiple times throughout the year, then don't in the biggest moment make that the play. Yeah. It's not. It's not a trick play. <laughs> okay, the, the one-yard line is not a trick play. Now, not on first to goal, especially. No, I get that there's trick plays. I get their stuff that you have not, maybe not shown to a team all year long. First and goal is not the time that you no. should feel the need to get cute. First, first and right. goal from half from, yard, from, from half, a half yard. yard out. And they've talked about this on some of these broadcasts recently. The way that they sneak the ball now, because of the rules have changed, to where you can push. Mm-hmm. I can't promise you a yard every single time you sneak it, but I can promise you positive something. You're not going backwards. You if you, you will if get at, at least a fault.
3: If they sneak that ball four times, they will they get, get that. in. They, they get will in. get
1: that because you get to push the QB now, right? And so it, it's just so it's already so hard because again, I know this is basic, but you know when you're snapping the ball and the other team does not necessarily know that is the only uh, they, advantage the offense has they're gonna try and jump it and they're gonna do a good job of of hanging in there but that's why you should be able to get six inches because you're the only ones that know exactly when you're snapping the ball and so that combined with a push common sense says you can't really lose in that situation yeah and so it's just it's just not smart and i get it that the genesis of this is a call that was controversially overturned. I don't know how it was overturned. Can I swear on a stack of bibles that it was a touchdown. I don't think I can go there, but also I know that if the ruling on the field is a touchdown, I ain't changing that call. Not not in that not with what was shown to me. If there was another view that the refs can see that we can't, that'd be one thing, but I think it would have come out by now if there was some other angle that we didn't have. And so I definitely get not being happy with that situation if you're a Michigan fan because it felt like a touchdown the one other thing I'll add to that part of it and that part of this game is that it was so early relatively speaking that you can't say the game was decided because of that I know the margin says well they score a touchdown and win by a point a lot happens between then and, and now to get to that conclusion if that's the last drive of the game Oh, yeah. I mean, that that costs them the game when we can blame that. And if that's the last time they touch the football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know some will still say, well, the other 59 minutes, if you handled your business, you wouldn't been there. Okay, yes, I can't be mad at you. but, But at the same time. If the refs handle their business, then, that's, then yeah. you win. But yeah. with, I think that was in the second quarter that happened. Maybe it was the third, early third. it was, I think, before I think it it was really the first got, half. I think it was the first yeah, half. It was before that the happened. real chaos got going. So there's a lot of time to still get past that so even though that game was a poorly officiated game there was a lot of stuff kind of going on that was that was weird in that game and shocker it was an sec crew Uh, (laughs) uh, that was not the thing that decided the game but it was all those big plays because it really was a stretch there if you told me michigan would be involved in a game that scored nearly 100 points i just I know they scored a lot on Ohio State, but that's still not normally how they try and play. But I mean, just in that half, you had you know you had a pick six, you had a long Michigan play, uh, you had a seventy-six yard play from Duggan where it was a third down and it was a short little pass and the guy missed the tackle and uh, Quentin Johnson, who's going to be a, a very highly rated wide receiver in the draft, makes one guy miss a tackle and it goes seventy-six yards. Um, there was a lot of long stuff. In that second half, pretty crazy game overall. And uh, I mean, I I think like you guys, I think we were all preferring TCU just the story that they were prove them wrong. But uh, I mean, what projecting this out a little bit to a week from now, and there's even more topics we can talk about. But just three or four minutes left in the hour. I mean, what's TCU's path to to playing Georgia? What what about what you saw on Saturday? Makes you feel like they can do that. They can beat Georgia, Uh, or maybe it's nothing. Maybe yeah. I,
2: I mean, I don't want to discount TCU. We've said this before because I didn't think they had really had a chance against Michigan. I mean, they did it. Um, They're gonna, they're gonna have to look at what Ohio State did. I mean, study, study that film on what Ohio State did to Georgia's defense because that is a vaunted Georgia defense that very few people have really been able to get. Two, like Ohio State did, and put up that many yards and that many points. So figure out what that is. Um, I, but, I mean, that's easier said than done because, you know, Georgia and Kirby Smart and those guys are going to be looking at plenty of film on TCU and figuring out how they can uh, get back there and just harass Max Duggan to death. And I and – I, I think that's more of where I'm looking at with that game is what Georgia is going to try to do to stop Max Duggan. I think they try to get back there and absolutely harass him. You, you he's gonna, He could hurt you with his legs, but if you just get that many dogs around him where he can't break loose, then that's where Georgia's is going to have. So TCU is going to have to understand that Georgia's probably going to come at him full force, and they're going to have to figure out some way to get the ball out quick, try to do the quick hitter passes. Maybe exploit what they can in that secondary. I I think it's going to be tough for TCU.
3: Yeah, I think. um, Oh man, I I think the TCU is going to have to get a little bit lucky because they did get a little bit lucky against Michigan. Sure. They had a couple of turnovers, especially early, uh, to build that lead. I think if Georgia turns the ball over a couple of times, that's TCU's. uh, That's TCU's ticket. You know, they're they're going to have to force a couple of turnovers or get lucky and just get a couple of, you know, a, a couple of stops that Georgia screws up on. Uh, TCU is going to have to protect Max Duggan well. Uh, they protected him against Michigan. They're going to have to do the exact same thing against Georgia's front. If Georgia can get pressure with four, then it's over. Uh, it, it, yeah. TCU does not stand a chance because they're, they're, I don't think their receivers are good enough athletes to beat multiple defenders. I think that if you can get them into one-on-one situations, then you've got a chance. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see how TCU's defense holds up because T, because Georgia's offense is not really what everybody thinks about when they think about Georgia, but they have a really great offensive line. They have a fantastic running game, and we've talked about how Stetson Bennett is 25 years old, and he has seen everything that college football has to throw at him. So I'm interested to see what Georgia what TCU can do defensively to slow down Georgia. Honestly, they may just sell out and try to stop the run and cover one-on-one. Uh, I I don't know. I think TCU is going to have to get a little bit lucky in this one, but uh, we'll see. One week from
1: now, TCU Georgia for the national championship. One you kind of expected to be there. One we certainly did not have on our radar coming in to the season. Out of time for hour number two and hour number three. Again, those New Year's sports fan resolutions, best and worst of the new year or of the former year. And uh, we'll also talk a little bit more about some of these big bowl games that have taken place for the last three or four days. A Monday edition of Sports Call rolls on after this.
0: Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Final hour of the first show of 2023. I'm Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this fine program. Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with me here on this now Monday evening. As we watch another good bowl game between Utah and Penn State, the Rose Bowl. We've had a lot of good bowl games here as of late over the weekend and on to today. Just today, we did see LSU drub Purdue, but we saw Mississippi State win one for Coach Leach uh, in the Reliac Bowl in Tampa. With an all-time cover to boot. Yep, with a a nice bad beat that is going to be on SVP whenever he next does the... uh, uh, bad Beat section. He always includes these little like one- to two-second audio snippets when he does that segment. There's Michael K., the, the Yankees broadcaster, saying, Oh, no, <laughs> uh, when something like that happens. Or an Al Michaels. Well, that's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love those little clips, and I think about them all the time when uh, stuff like that happens. And then we're uh, we'll talking a little bit about it on the air as it happened because it was a very um, entrancing game between Tulane and, and USC Tulane winning that one. Uh, have you guys enjoyed bowl season for the most part? You found these to be pretty entertaining? Well, I know we got the question earlier if there's too many bowls, but uh, I don't know. It seems like a, a pretty entertaining at least end to the bowl season.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it feels like uh, a lot of the ones that I've seen have been very entertaining. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I Again, I'll say it again. I would rather there be – I, I would rather there be a game that I don't care about than there not be a game. Yeah, uh, because I can still flip over and watch it even if it's two teams that you know it's Georgia Southern and Buffalo playing in the Camellia Bowl. Gotta like, okay, yeah, gotta love that. That that's <laughs> such a great term. Um, so yeah, I mean, ultimately, is that a game that I just you know fully invested in in Montgomery, Alabama? Watching no. Well, I still turn to it rather than watching something else. Yes, absolutely. It's college football, so uh, and it's fun for those guys. Now, hey, you know, is, Mo- is Montgomery, Alabama, the the ideal bowl destination for your team? No,
3: not really. But I've I've called I called a high school game in the Crampton Bowl once. No? It is Jordan Hare Stadium. It is not, but you know what? It's a bowl game. Sure, you can fit TV cameras in there. There you go. So I, I I like it and and yeah I mean there's there's been some just
2: really really entertaining games this whole bowl season there's been some that are just blah like the one today with LSU just. Absolutely, I, I Purdue just decided not to show up. I don't I don't know if they spent too much time uh, at Epcot visiting the uh, the beer fest and just were too hungover, or what the deal was with them. But I mean, they looked like hot garbage today, and LSU looked like a world beater all of a sudden. So yeah, that game was that game was a flub. But for every flub there has been, there have been some just epic finishes throughout. And then of course you get to the semifinals, and I mean, it was, goodness gracious. Those those were two epic ball games right there.
3: And I think we've got another one shaping up right now, Penn State and Utah in the the Rose Bowl. And they did call that a touchdown. Yeah, Utah's about to tie it up here, pending this extra
1: point. Yeah, and you know, I I know in the scope of things, people don't really care about uh, these two teams much. But, uh, you know, UAB in the Bahamas Bowl to start uh, the bowl season was a one-possession game decided at the very end of the game. UAB had a fourth and one. They were down by three. They had to score. They did score. um, And and then they – end up getting a stop on a play that they let the guy catch it and get to like the two yard line <laughs> they yeah. attack on the two yard yeah. line like it was the Titans Super Bowl uh, so we, we've had some fun stuff my thing with the smaller bowl games I guess like a Bahama bowl, Bahamas Bowl is for those six and seven win teams you know I think it means something to them to play those games but also I want those teams to either go to a cool location or to play someone that means something to them like Uh, The Birmingham Bowl, for example, I know Terry brought this up in a less than glamorous uh, way for the Birmingham Bowl, which is the butt of a lot of jokes. It's not a great bowl, obviously, but it was between East Carolina and Coastal Carolina. Well, Coastal Carolina was talking a lot of stuff towards East Carolina because East Carolina is a little bit older than them. They're viewed a little bit higher than Coastal. Coastal doesn't like that. Coastal wanted to prove them wrong. Coastal got pantsed by East Carolina. So it was not a competitive game, but at least it was a game between two schools pretty close uh, that meant something to them. And so I'm just, you know, the Independence Bowl, that's always a tough sell in Shreveport. <laughs> the Birmingham Bowl in general is a tough sell usually. But the Liberty Bowl, I'd wager. Liberty in Memphis, you know, not yeah. great. Well, and and the other thing, that, uh,
2: some of those bowl games were uh, being played and they, like, the worst <laughs> freezing
1: conditions. Right. That's yeah, always yeah. going to be a tough one. So, hey, the, to long, me, that makes it cool, though, because that's football weather. As long as it's a destination, although I will say the Liberty Bowl had a lot of fans at it, though, because between Arkansas and Kansas, now that I'm thinking about it, it was almost packed. Uh, but I will say, Jesus, you know. I'm sorry. I just now looked at the Citrus Bowl score. I, it was bad when I looked at it. I didn't realize
2: it was <laughs> 63 to 7. Jeez. I saw it was 49 7. Yeah, it, it really order. felt
3: like Purdue gave up. About halfway through the game.
2: Man, 63-7. Yeah. to 7. Lord.
1: Yeah. Um, anyway. LSU was celebrating with the Cheez-Its mascot. Yeah, I saw Why that. Why not? Uh, so, so, yeah. I mean, bowl season definitely will always give you a few blowouts like that. Well, maybe not that bad. But to give you a few yeah. that are less than entertaining. But still, the entertaining ones are always worth it. And uh, I've enjoyed this bowl season. If you missed anything from Sports Call today, first couple hours of the program, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. Now let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334 887 Thirty-four-one locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Next up on the program today, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins us. Daryl, Happy New Year. Hope you're doing well.
7: I am. I am. I worked all weekend, but I had to get to interact with some sports fans, and uh, because you weren't on the air Friday, I was a little bit ignorant about the Georgia Ohio game, and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, and then Coach Pearl came in the restaurant, so I got to well, I showed him where to sit, and he was very, He is the most down-to-earth person you would ever meet. Have you ever met? Him?
1: Yeah, yes, uh, we have, and uh, we've uh, we've all been able to see how uh, how charismatic he is, and uh, he's always taking a lot of time out to uh, talk to media for sure. And uh, he does a lot of great fundraising events, and uh, definitely seems like a great person.
7: Yeah. When he's at a downtown restaurant, his wife's like, "I think we're next." So like, "No, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I've got this young lady and their daughter. They're next, but I'll seat you in the same section. Y'all can sort of work it out." Oh no, no. We'll let them seat first, and we'll sit next to them. You know, and that's just the kind of guy he is. Yeah,
1: you know? absolutely.
7: And that's you know, that's the main benefit. I I work at the downtown restaurant, and then, uh. You're still going to keep uh, J.J.'s advertising clips on the air for
3: a little bit, aren't you? J.J.'s what now?
7: The advertising clips he does, uh, he, the main refrigeration and all that stuff. The
3: commercials he voices over, I think you mean? Yes. yes, yes. Okay, okay.
1: Yes. Uh, yes, we are not. He he will still be heard on, uh, on certain commercials and then also... Uh, if you may have heard, Daryl, that he will still be doing Auburn softball and doing some Auburn events, so you'll still be able to hear him on this radio station from time to time once softball season starts. Okay.
7: And then um, I just want to comment about the Happy New Year. Uh, it's amazing. It's not amazing. It's just I've been around Auburn football for, since 1978 in local economy. It's amazing how a good team or a bad team affects local economy. And then, you know, after the second year of the uh, parson program, you know, it's, it's just like everybody was down and out and, and wasn't motivation. And then after the first two home games, we went to 130 games and then traffic downtown just went to nothing, you know, because they were at the football game. I'm not sure what, you know, but you know, if a if it's a good football team, we got six thirty kickoffs. You know, and then uh, I saw three restaurants go under this past year because of that. So uh, we can't go anywhere but up this year, as far as Auburn sports and the economy and in general. And I usually don't like talking politics and religion, but uh, I just saying that uh, I think we have nowhere to go but forward in uh, progress and economy and sports. And then um, I'll be dependent on you to listen to what happened in uh, next Monday night's game because uh, I'm deprived of technology, internet, cable, body, body, blah.
1: blah. Well, uh, yeah, Daryl, we'll certainly be uh, talking about that game. We'll be breaking it down ahead of time, and we'll tell you what happened afterwards for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, I I definitely I can imagine that whenever Auburn is not doing as well, few less people in town, there's always going to be a lot of – lot of people in general but i I know that for any college town the better that the college does at the sports that matter to it uh it's always gonna be better for local business
7: and uh and i've said this several times i appreciate your program just like i plan on riding my bike a little bit and go grocery shopping on tuesday and wednesday but uh you um you had a program on the weather that we're gonna have a lot of rain so you'd be surprised what impact your show has on me personally and uh, yeah I just yeah, uh, you know, and then I'm not going to listen to economic news because the Dow Jones was off today you know the markets were down so uh, how late are you going to stay on today about
1: 5.45 yeah we usually get off the air uh, between 5.45 and 6 the show you know it's about 3 to 6 programs so it's about 3 hours and uh, just depends on how many commercials and stuff we've got to run at the end of the show but yeah 5.45 five fifties, is usually around when we get off
7: Okay. When when you guys run out of stuff to talk about, you'll uh I'll be sure to call in, okay?
1: <laughs> Sounds good, Daryl. And we appreciate your phone call and we uh hope you have a very happy new year.
7: Dokie dokie. Talk to you later.
1: That is uh Daryl from Auburn on our Auburn Bank phone line. We appreciate that phone call as always. Let's go ahead and take our first time out of our number three. When we come back, we alluded to it a little bit earlier in the show, uh, multiple times throughout the show, our New Year's sports fan resolutions, what you want to do as a sports fan a little bit differently in 2023. That's up next on this first edition of Sports Call in 2023.
0: Tuned. you're listening to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call
1: Welcome back to the first edition of Sports Call here in the new year, 2023. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Donfrey with you here this evening. And uh, just had a phone call from Daryl from Auburn. Appreciate all of our loyal callers. Running down hour number three here and uh, just a segment or two left. And so let's talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. But in particular... New Year's sports fan resolution. So what do you, the sports fan, want to do differently or the same in 2023? And uh, I will start. So just for an example, I've got got two things. I'll go with one for now. Believe it or not, I know the error of my ways. I want to stop yelling at officials at the rate that I do. (laughs) I do it a lot. And I know we've had Keith from Auburn who used to be an official and uh, certainly has talked about the difficulty of that job. I understand it's a difficult job. It is not something that you can't go without criticism of from time to time. Like, sometimes they do a bad job too. Like, it's going to happen. Uh, We're all human here, which means we all make mistakes. I say stupid things sometimes. I don't know how to say words sometimes. And – I do bad things or I or I do wrong things sometimes. And so just in the way a coach is going to call a bad play call and someone's going to miss an easy shot or a player's going to make a mistake, referee's going to miss a call and it's going to happen. And we'll mention it when it happens. We, we'll, we'll have to – it'll be a part of the story. But at least me as a fan needs to not yell every word that exists when when, when there is a bad call or multiple bad calls or otherwise that is something i am going to work on in 2023 i'm going to fail at times but in general i'm not going to yell at the referees at the rate which i did that's a low bar to set uh because i'm not promising you i'm going to be without any strife just i just something to work on in 2023 and i have one more in a minute but there's an example what about you guys uh For me, again, it's going to be
2: easier said than done uh, because I do tend to get a little negative. I'm going to try to not be so negative about Auburn sports. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think when I'm watching Auburn games, I'm going to try to limit the amount of F-bombs that come out of my mouth directed (laughs) at the team.
1: So uh, a little more positivity for me this year. Sure. Try to. To be fair, you're coming off probably like the second worst Auburn year, and yeah. who knows how long. Yeah. So, so at least we are coming off a year that, that was probably as warranted as ever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I respect that. I respect
3: that. You know, I think mine is. I'm going to try to go to more games this year. I, uh, you know, I've lived in Auburn for a year now. I go to most home football games, uh, but uh, I, I didn't go to any basketball games last year. I went to one women's basketball game. Uh, I went to one softball game, didn't go to any baseball games. I think next year uh, or this year, excuse me I'm going to try to go to more games uh, for different sports. Uh, haven't gone to volleyball. You know, th- there's a lot of sports that Auburn has that are really, really good and, and superstar athletes who deserve support. And uh, I think I'm going to go go support those kids because they deserve it. And uh, Auburn's really, really good at a lot of things. And uh, I went to the one that they were probably worst at the most. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think that I'm going to uh, go to more games this year. I think with your, like, yelling at referees thing, uh, I try not to yell at refs. It's tough for me because I'm a very intense person at sporting events. But I I think that I'm pretty fair to refs. Like, if they get a call right, you know, good call, whatever. I don't know. I, I like to think that I only yell at refs when they get something that's something blatantly wrong. When they deserve to be yelled at and In my opinion they deserve to be yelled at And to be fair my, my stance on refs has changed a lot Since my dad became an umpire uh, when, when my dad became an umpire Pretty late in my life I, I kind of got kind of a behind the scenes look At what all goes on and how hard it is And how much these officials have to remember And that's just for baseball you know. It's, basketball is such a judgment call type sport Which baseball is really not And I don't know It's an interesting thing to think about But yeah being nice to refs but yeah, I'm going to go to more games, I think.
1: Now I respect that. Um, that's That kind of plays into, uh, and I know this is kind of out there, and not everyone can pull this off, and I'm kind of a psycho, but I'm also young, so it's fine. Um, I'm very proud of the fact, and I'm going to try and make it a goal to do it next year, even though my Walt is now currently crying as I start to say this. Uh, to continue to go to every single Bucks home game in Tampa. Uh, I went to every single regular season home game uh, this year and the previous season. Again, it's a team that I grew up loving since I was five. I even liked them before I liked any college football team, really. I li- That was the first like full sports team. Them and the Los Angeles Lakers were the first teams that I actually connected on and actually became fans of uh, even before all the colleges. I don't know if people – I don't know if you guys know this. I actually, for a while, liked Auburn and Alabama for about 10 years or so uh, until I was, like, late elementary into middle school because I, I liked Tyrone Prothrow when he right. was at Alabama. And so it was, like, right after Prothrow that I kind of stopped liking that and then I went way the other way. But uh, – i really didn't have like this big intense thing in college other than my parents went to carolina so i'm gonna like carolina and then we go to uab games sometimes so that's cool too and so the bucks were the thing that i liked the most um from from the beginning and so i'm very proud that i get to go do that and that's something i want to continue in 2023 is doesn't matter if Tom Brady retires or leaves. doesn't matter if the Bucs go back to being the Bucs for most of their franchise existence next year. I still want to go to all those games. I have a genuinely great time being down there, and I have a genuinely great time going to those games. It's something that, as a sports fan, I never dreamed I would be able to be a season ticket holder of anything, let alone something that's seven hours away. And as egregious as that might sound, I'm a single guy. I'm young. I'm doing it now while I'm young. (laughs) And so, uh, no regrets there, and so I'm really proud uh, that I've been able to do that, and I hope to continue to do that in 2023. Anything else from you guys before we move on?
3: You know, that gives me an idea. I, I don't think I'm in a spot where I can become a season ticket holder for the Atlanta Falcons yet. I would like – but. Watching you be the season ticket holder for the Bucks, and we've talked about this a little bit uh, off the air, it, I do at some point want to become a Falcons season ticket holder because it looks like being a season ticket holder for an NFL team comes with a lot of really cool pieces. You know, they they do they give you a lot of amenities. They really seem to appreciate their season ticket holders. But for for this year specifically, I do want to go to a Falcons game or two. Uh, I I love the team, um, even though sometimes I hate them. Uh, <laughs> and. I think that if not next year then the year after they're on the right track with this rebuild Uh, I think they're going to get there if they make a couple of the right moves so I think next year they've got a chance to be pretty good maybe contend for the playoff spot and uh, a winning record for the first time in a little while so I think that being a, going to a Falcons game or two would be pretty fun as well. See, I, I would also – I've never been to an NFL game in my life. I've been to one. I've
2: never been, been, to, been to an NFL game. I've been to more college games of various types, and I can even begin to remember from the time I was five or six years old. Uh, never been to an NFL game. I also I would like to go and watch a Falcons game. The one thing that, man, when you look at the tickets, Singleton – goodness gracious it's expensive to go to an
1: nfl game i'm not saying that very expensive i'm not upper deck it's expensive i'm not saying that everyone should do what i do and just go ahead and buy the full season because it's definitely still i mean there's still a price point there and especially if the team lives where you have to stay in a hotel or something i mean prices can rack up and you do that eight nine times but i will say there's clear value if you're going to go to more than one or two uh, there's clear value in being a season ticket holder, and this really could go for every sport. My season ticket, I don't care. I'll tell you what it is. I don't care. It's in the end zone. It's eleven hundred dollars. So that's a hundred and ten dollars a game, and you get ten games because you get either one preseason and nine regular season, or you get two preseason and eight regular season. So that's a hundred and ten dollars a game. My section. For and I'm going to give you the extreme side, but then I'll give you a more modest side. My section, same same section in the end zone for the Green Bay Packers game, which was Tampa's first home game of the year, with week three. That same section, the get-in for that section was $500. Yeah. Wow. And so I didn't sell it because obviously I just said it went to all the regular season games. But if I sell that right there, I've made almost half my money back. And then the lowest ticket, the lowest get into my section for a single seat of any of the games was the New Orleans Monday Night game and it was still I think $170, $160. And so even if you do that, if you sell the bare minimum, $160, $170, you sell it eight times, you could still go to two and you didn't pay anything for it. So my point is is that there if you're going to go so just one or two, yeah, it's probably not worth the hassle to try and sell that. And some teams have limits; like you actually could not sell eight games for the Bucks if you sell sell more than half. You are no, they'll they'll ax you. You'll you'll lose the privilege. Um, but if you plan to go to multiple games and that sort of thing, I I encourage it for a lot of people that that love that. And I, I'm sure I, I love I love business math. I love sports math. If I went and did that for the Braves too, I Lord knows I'm not. I'm not saying I'm going to become a season ticket holder for the Braves. But I'm just saying if <laughs> if you go to a bunch A-list, of weekend, baby. you go to a bunch of weekend series and that sort of thing. I bet you if I broke that thing down for you, I bet you it would come out to where you'd still be very well off to be a season ticket holder, even if something that happens eighty one times a year at that at that venue. So uh, I certainly encourage it. But yeah, NFL games can get pricey. And then it just depends on who your what your franchise is. Like Bucks tickets will be bad well, they'll be very low again, the prices, once Brady leaves. Because that's why they're high right now. Bucks are famously one of the worst teams in the NFL and they don't have a huge fan base. But say you're and you know, maybe the Falcons are in the same boat there, so it shouldn't ever be too too bad. But if you're a fan of, I don't know, a really big organization like Dallas or like Green Bay or the Giants, yeah, it's probably always gonna suck <laughs> price wise. So that's probably <laughs> even more worth it to be season ticket holders of, of those teams. Uh, but yeah, that's something that I definitely want to continue doing and excited about doing. All right, just a few more minutes before we gotta take our final break of the show today, and we also do this each and every Monday. It's time for now. Time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst.
0: No no no
1: of the weekend best and worst of the weekend but a little different twist on it this this time since it's the first show of the new year new best and worst of last year or of the year end um from 2022 and it does not have to be something that you named as a best or worst of 2022 at some point it could be something you just thought of something that in hindsight Was really good or really bad or something that um, doesn't even have a whole lot to do with just one particular week, just an overall theme of the year. And, Um, uh, Tom, you look ready, so you want to read us off there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think the worst for me for
2: the year 2022 just had to be kind of the general uh, feeling around the football program as that season started and going through the season with Brian Harsin uh, as the head coach. And then, of course, the wheels coming off of that. Um, it's not very often with Auburn football that you just kind of get a general malaise from the entire fan base, and that's kind of what this felt like. And And so I can't just pinpoint one thing to say is bad with that. It was just that whole product, the, the controversy from, from the end of the previous season where you had a lot of guys leaving in the transfer portal, you had coaches leaving. A lot of just questions, controversy. The recruiting was terrible. Uh, just everything about that was just so bad, and you just don't see that. You don't expect that with Auburn football. I mean, a very proud program, and to see it into the depths that it was, I, I mean, I don't I don't know as an Auburn sports fan, I don't know that you can get much worse than that. And so that for as far as a worse for that year, it was just that general – Crap! Feeling of that entire lead up to the football season, the season itself. If you also remember, it's one of the things that we talked about leading up to the season. We we got to we were sitting here talking on the show when spring football started. We were barely even talking about it. And it's one of the things we mentioned. It's like so many people just didn't even care. They were like, "Holy goodness!" Spring football started, and that's normally like an exciting. Heck yeah, here we go, spring football. We were in the midst of baseball doing well, basketball still had their thing going. I mean, there's a lot, so many good things going on that people just didn't even care about the football team that spring practice started and it snuck up on everybody and didn't even register that we were in practice. That's how much people just didn't care what was going on with that. So definitely a worst.
3: Yeah, I, I don't want to just piggyback off of what Tom said, but I, it's hard to think of something that was worse uh, than you know the, the feeling around the football team. I think it was lethargic. I think lethargic is the word that I kept going back to. A general lack of interest uh, in Auburn football. Especially, I think for me, it really hit after that Missouri game where both teams just looked so bad. And Auburn did end up winning but in just the most ugly, bizarre fashion and uh, you know, I did still go to games, but I, I was just not as interested. I remember thinking, I just kind of want this game to be over, uh, and, and I fully expected Missouri to win, and I was just kind of okay with that because it meant the game would be done, which is a scary feeling for somebody who's been cheering for one team his entire life. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard to think of something worse than just the – I don't know. It, it was it was a failed experiment, and it, it was yeah. – it, it, it looked good for about six weeks, and then everything just kind of went off the rails uh, about as bad as it could. And I, I don't think that... I don't think... I think Auburn made the right decision in getting rid of, uh, of Gus Malzahn a couple of years ago. I think that the program was starting to stagnate. And... Um, that needed to it, it, it needed You needed to make a change because the program just was not moving in the right direction. But uh, certainly Brian Harson was not the right hire, and uh, hopefully... Uh, I've made it again. I feel like I feel the need to say this all the time. I don't know why, but I've I've kind of planted my flag in the I'm skeptical about Hugh Freeze place. But we were talking about this before the show even started, Ryan. Even if Hugh Freeze does not work out long term, it feels like the program is going to get back to some level of competency. Uh, You're you're going to return to your baseline where, in your absolute worst year, you're going to have seven or eight wins. See, I I did not think this through in the form of
1: having a backup worst for (laughs) (laughs) a worst that clearly all of us could very reasonably have and kind of had. I guess what I will use the angle of is this. I know the season sucked and I'm not going to try and get on a huge pulpit here, but I did talk about this a lot towards the end of the season and I said no matter how bad it is, I'm not going to wish away the games because we don't get a lot of these. And yeah. with this show, we talk about football almost year-round. Uh, recruiting and stuff never stops. We start previewing things early in the summer. We obviously have media days in July, which we have a ball at. But we focus on football a lot more in the off-season than clearly any other sport when they're in the off-season. Put it that way. But yet – because the team was bad it felt like a lot of people were just kind of ready for the season to end and and I get it to a degree cuz it was painful but again it's the one it's the it's the least amount of things we get we get 30 to 35 basketball games we right. get 50 60 baseball and softball games and of course the professional ranks you get even more and right. that sort of stuff you only get 12 of these plus maybe one plus maybe two and I, I just kind of hate when people kind of look forward to something for months, and then after about a month, they're ready for it just to get out of yeah. here. You know, well, that, it, I guess that would be my worst. It's just the mentality of not wishing away these things that we the, we hold so dear. Yeah.
2: Well, and and seeing the other thing though. Uh, with that football program and part of what made it so bad and such a worse of what we're discussing is it wasn't it was not even just the games this goes back to even the previous season when that ends and you get into January and you get into February things were already going off the tracks with the recruiting last December or the lack thereof but then, as you get into January and February of 2022, things were still not getting any better, and you had coaches leaving. You had, you had play, the, the you had,
3: bizarre coup attempt while your the, coach was on you, vacation, and you had the you had the
2: you had the coup attempt. Um, just everything from the end of last from the end of the 2021 season going into 2022, the entire span of this year when it involved Auburn football was bad up until the firing of Brian Harson, Recruiting was bad. The general feeling was bad. Spring practice, nobody even cared about. Fall practice, summer workouts, nobody cared about it. Just the entire year was just bad.
1: So there's the bad. It's all Auburn football related. So what's the good? What's the best of 2022? All right. So
2: there's a lot of individual best things out there. Uh, the one thing that I can say just for me personally, like if it's going to be a best and something of a best of the year, it better be something that damn near gets me to tears. And yes, it's more recent than probably I can think. There's, I could probably go way back if I really dug through the, my little tiny brain, I could find something. But the end of the Auburn-Texas A&M game, with that celebration with Cole Kublick, talking to Carnell Williams out there on the field after that. Carnell Williams grabbing his kid up and holding all the former players that were there. The crowd swag surfing. And this and this was a team that was not going to go to a bowl game you didn't think. I mean, this was a losing team. This is a team that was in shambles. And it looked like and felt like Auburn had just won a championship game with the way that the players are celebrating, fans celebrating, just everything about that literally had me in tears because of just what was happening. And that was cool. But the other thing is to piggyback off of everything that we said, you have you have gone through an entire year of that malaise and just that helpless feeling as a fan that things aren't going to happen. And that moment felt like things were getting right again. That That pushed that needle back towards positive. The Mississippi State game... Felt good. It was like okay. There's some good things here. You still lost that game, but you're like okay, kind of going in the right direction. Maybe that Texas A&M win and that celebration at the end of that you you really kind of got that feeling that everything is going to be okay. And you heard Carnell's words when he said, you know, we you know we're not we're not dead. They, this program is not dead. They, we're going to be fine when you just think about how bad everything was and just those words that atmosphere and everything about that just felt so good it, it it really just lifted a cloud of negativity off of the program and really felt like things were going in the right direction so yeah if i if i can just pinpoint one just thing one event from last year that was epic that that was absolutely unbelievable to see a fan base turn out for a losing football team that was in the in the dumps and to have that kind of response, that kind of celebration, that was good. That was good stuff.
3: I think for me, I'm going to go back a little bit further. I don't know why this is sticking out to me, but when I think of the best thing that I saw from Auburn this year, the run that this baseball team made, uh, getting all the way to Omaha, winning the Corvallis Super Regional. Uh, winning in Auburn, you know, beating an Oregon State team that not a lot of people gave you a chance against, being one of, I think it was the final six college baseball teams, seeing Butch Thompson finally get his flowers for how good a coach he is and get a team as far as he possibly could and really build for the future. And, and now we've announced all these changes to Plainsman Park. There's going to be premium seating. There's going to be seats on the Monster. All of that, it just really the the vibes, I guess, around uh, Auburn baseball were so good and it was so fun to listen to I, I always listen to Andy and uh goodness is blanking blanking on his name chat uh Brad Law nope. Brad Law doing the uh the color commentary for that and uh, those two going back and forth and listening to them call those games and I, I don't know that's going to stick that run is going to stick with me for a while and I really hope that we have uh, another one here pretty soon I, we did not all
1: have to go Auburn-related, by the way. I, if that, if that truly was your best and worst, that's great. Um, my best, sorry to the former host of this program. It was North Carolina ending Coach K's career. Um, and the greatest college basketball rivalry that exists, to have that matchup never happen in the post, or it obviously it happened in the ACC, but never happened in the NCAA tournament and then for Carolina to do that to Duke in Coach K's final regular season home game. Wow. And in the final four, I mean, I, again, I'm sorry, JJ. I love you, brother, and I know you love the Blue Devils. But uh, as a Tar Heel fan, again, my parents went there. That was as sweet as it gets uh, for, the, for, for that storied rivalry. Out of time in this segment. When we come back, one final segment of Sports Call Nightly TV Guide coming up next. We need a timeout.
0: Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back. Final minute or two of the first sports call of the new year. Ryan Lavoy, Brent Autry, Tom Peavy with you. We've had a lot of fun today discussing all things college football. And I had a couple segments there. You missed it. Go back and listen to it on the sports call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. As we talk a little bit about new year's sports fan resolutions and our best and worst of 2022. Just a minute or two left in the show, as I mentioned, so it's time for this.
0: Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's
3: Nightly TV Guide.
1: Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brent, what do we got tonight?
3: First off, a couple of movie picks. These are all courtesy of Brooks Childress, I feel like I should say. At 8 p.m. on Freeform, you've got Grown Ups 2. I believe that's an Adam Sandler movie. It is. At 11 p.m. Uh, American sniper will be on at 11 p.m. that is on Paramount. That's a late pick for him. That is a very late pick for him and then you've got Jurassic World at 9 p.m. on True TE True TV to go dinosaurs. Uh, Some sports picks for you. Men's college basketball, West Virginia at Oklahoma State, 6 p.m. on ESPNU. And the big one in the NFL tonight, Buffalo at Cincinnati at 7.30 on uh, Monday Night Football on ESPN. That should be a good one.
1: Gosh, it will be a good one. We'll talk a little bit NFL at some point this week uh, as the postseason's coming near. And Jared Stidham had a great performance for the Raiders. We need to talk about that at some point this week. There's a lot of NFL items to get to, but we have to hit the college football first because it is a little bit more of a pressing matter At the moment Thank you for that, Brant And that is the Sports Call uh, Nightly TV Guide Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer Tom, enjoyed the show today Happy New Year Happy New Year I'll see you again on Wednesday Absolutely, and welcome to the big boy chair Thank you, sir And Brant, I enjoyed it I had a good show And uh, we'll see you tomorrow Thank you for having me Enjoy it always And, of course, we thank all those who tuned in And called in today, as always For Tom Peavy and Brant Donfrey My name is Ryan LaVoy Thanks for tuning in today We'll talk to you tomorrow